live. You can bring up anything you wish. Just dial in toll-free at 855-450-FREE. That's 1-855-450-3733. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. Nami. And Mark. Inviting you to the website over at freetalklive.com. Unlike a lot of those talk shows out there in talk radio land, freetalklive.com does not charge you for accessing the site or interacting with its various features. You can actually go and create the content of the site as well. So all the stuff you see there was submitted by listeners like you, or maybe it was you. Uh, You can go to freetalklive.com to get interactive. You don't have to have a login to see the site, but if you want to actually submit items to it, you do have to create a free account. And then you can submit whatever you want from across the web, whether it be a news item or a blog post or maybe a video. It could be fun, could be serious, whatever you think our listeners would enjoy. You just submit it there, and then others get to vote on whether or not they like or dislike it. The most voted up will make it to the front page and the top of the website at freetalklive.com. So there was a story I, I mentioned last night that we did A couple of stories we mentioned were, last night. That's usually how it goes. I mean, we get distracted. People call in. It's an open phone show. You can call in about anything. So if you're, if you're listening to Free Talk Live to hit the hard news, it's just not going to happen. This isn't a news show. As much as sometimes I might like it to be after the fact, I always lament the fact that there's all this stuff in the news we don't get to talk about. Uh, but luckily, there's some Liberty News casts that are, I think... There's some of them that are coming soon, and we're playing a couple of them now over at lrn.fm. So there are ways to get uh, news from a Liberty perspective, and hopefully we'll see more of that on into the future. I think it would be nice someday if we had like a, a Liberty News network of some sort that actually cranked out news at least once a day you know, instead of once a week. That would be cool. I mean, obviously we're not to the point where people can do hourly news or even multiple times a day news, but... That that shouldn't be that far off in the future for the liberty movement, I wouldn't think. Anyway, eight five five four fifty free is our number here. One eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Let's start with you and your thoughts, Daniel. Listening in Washington, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Nemi and Mark. Good evening, guys. Hey, what's on your mind? Well, I heard Mark and I think it was Stephanie speaking the other night about the death penalty, mm-hmm. and I think it was Sunday night. Yep. And I kind of had to cringe because there was a lot of sort of misinformation and. Uh, bad thinking about that, and I would like to talk about that. Okay, okay. Well, on whose part? Uh, well, there was some misinformation, I think, on everyone's part, but the bad thinking was mostly on the pro-death penalty people that were calling in. Okay. Um, it, to me, it seems that there's two facts about the death penalty that make it uh, wrong for us to use that. The first is that people are regularly sentenced to death who are innocent. And this I have true. actually have the numbers here. Yeah, regularly. So, there have been about 7,300 people sentenced to death since the death penalty was uh, reinstated in the 70s. Yep. Wow. And of those 7,300 or so, about 140 people have been wrongly, uh, innocent people have been sentenced to death. And that represents about close to a 2% failure rate. Well, hold on. Those are only the ones they know for sure were innocent. Those are the ones that have been proven right. like after the fact with DNA and things like that or some you know, the real criminal came out and admitted it or whatever. That doesn't include all the guys that got sent to death where they'll never be able to prove after the fact that it wasn't them, right? Right, and, and that's a, a real problem. I, I think it's probably at least double that. And I think that's realistic. Right, and there have been more than 200 people that have uh, been taken off of death row right? for whatever and, reasons. That are still uh, alive. Many people will say, well, that's how it's supposed to work. People, you know, they'll get sentenced to death, and we'll keep looking at the cases, and the innocent ones will eventually get weeded out before they're put to death. That's a nice that's thing to say if you're case. not sitting in death, on death row. You right, know, and it's if, also not the case. 
Um, and the, the evidence for that is that people regularly get exonerated hours or days before death penalty or before they're uh, executed. And also, uh, nine people that we know of have been executed uh, uh, while being innocent. I, I'd that be number is probably way low. I, I'd be interested to know how the caller became interested in this topic. Uh, well, I used to be pro-death penalty, uh, sort of milit- you know, really pro-death penalty. I Me think too. probably Mark was in that same kind of situation. I don't know, my Ian. Well, I probably was, but I was like a teenager, so what do I know? So what was it that led and, you to, to examine your beliefs and change your mind? Well, I wanted to, to gather more evidence in favor of my position. <laughs> oh, so you proved yourself evidence. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you proved yourself wrong. That's great. And so there's probably more people that have been executed wrongly. We don't know about them because lawyers and courts, they stop looking about it. They move on to people mm-hmm. that they can still save. So the second fact is putting people to death actually costs more than keeping them in jail for life. Right. Now, both of these facts uh, I, I mentioned on air, I mean, uh, these are yeah. imp- important uh, aspects. Go ahead. Um, and those two things, we can increase one, but the other will uh, increase as well. We can make our sentencing more accurate. We can be a little more accurate in sentencing, sentencing people, but that's going to cost a heck of a lot more. Yeah. Or we can bring the cost down and put more innocent people to death. So, Oh, Whatever you care about, whether it's the moral aspect or the cost argument, you should be against the death penalty. Well, and, and another aspect of this that I feel is extraordinarily important is you can look at the data state by state. And some states have the death penalty. Some states don't have the death penalty. They're all here in the same country. And you can see that the death penalty does not make a distinct difference. You it's would not think, a deterrent, you mean. You would think that the murder rates would be distinctively lower in states that have the death, death penalty than the ones that don't. And they don't. They're just scattered all over the place. And, and they, you know, did, the, even if it did, that that's an illegitimate use of a punishment. You're essentially punishing one person for another person's potential um, crime. Yes, but do you understand why that's motivating to people? Do you understand why people uh, yes, say? Of course, I understand. So yes, people say I to do, themselves, "Well, you know, I mean, this is an effective uh, deterrent um, in comparison." But it's not. I mean, so it costs more. No, it no, executes no, innocent no. people, which is what it's intended to punish for. So, so, so people that advocate the death penalty are advocating for the death of innocent people because innocent people have been killed. It's a crazy mixed-up dica- dichotomy. No, it's then, it's a logical fallacy. They are living in Never Never Land. Um, the one guy who had some kind of consistent idea was God said it in the Bible. And at the very least, you can't deny that it was said. You know that that a uh, you know a three thousand year old Iron Age uh, society well, advocated says a this. lot of things. It also <laughs> says turn the other cheek, forgive you know forgive your enemy. It that says to uh, stone children that have been disrespectful to their parents. We don't do that so, either. That just means get them high, Mark. <laughs> some people will say we can you know we can maybe bring down the death penalty and what about the person who killed the child and raped the child and did all these bad things we know they're guilty why can't we put them to death well we don't really know that because everyone that's been sentenced to death has been found guilty unanimously by a, a so-called impartial jury yep. who were all convinced and were willing to put someone to death because mm. they were certain that that person had committed the crime. But and they were wrong sometimes. And, and a judge, right, and they were wrong. So they were all certain about it and were all wrong. So how, we, unless you're there in the moment, any time afterwards, you, it's possible that you're wrong. So how recently did you change your mind on this issue? Because you sound very passionate about it. I am very passionate. <laughs> uh, it was, I would say, you know, within a few months, within six months. 
So within the last six months, you've drastically yeah. changed your your viewpoint on this. Yes. No. Yes. Did you were you raised in like a you know hard nosed conservative kind of uh, family? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say hard nosed, but definitely conservative. Okay. All right. Definitely. So that's, so that's where it came. That, that's where it came from. Would you say like you know yeah. mom and dad yeah, thought this, and so so did you? Yeah. Have you talked to your parents about this? Um, I actually had a discussion with my dad about it the other night. How'd that that was pretty animated. So he's he's one of the guys that I was kind of talking about before who's willing to just put people to death sort of willy-nilly. Oh, yeah, the one guy and, called uh, in, and at least at the he understood that putting people to death, that sometimes you have to kill innocent people, but that it was important um, because, well, the Bible said it. So, oh, no. you know, this is at, at the very and, – and I love it when folks call in like that because even though they've got this mixed-up thinking, they show other people verbally what their own mixed-up thinking is. And, you know, it's ludicrous that you want to put – people to death and and you know innocent people to death in order to avenge innocent deaths it's crazy well, you're going to have a lot more trouble convincing family members on something like this than convincing yourself because when you come to the conclusions on your own it's natural and it makes sense and you're like wow i couldn't believe i thought this way but when you try to present the same information to someone else who's still in that paradigm since it's not their idea then they're much more likely to bristle against it hey thanks for the call tonight daniel appreciate it it wouldn't surprise me if you never got through them one eight five five four fifty free, and at some point you have to just give up on certain people because there are better prospects, more fish in the sea, so to speak. More coming up. You can take control. Eight five five four fifty free. It's free talk live. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. Are you looking for a concealed carry holster? Crossbreed Holsters is the home of the world famous Super Tuck, the most comfortable concealed carry holster on the market today. Try one out and see how truly discreet and comfortable carrying concealed can be. And find out why we call it the ugliest holster you'll ever love. We are the standard others try to imitate. Get the original. Get your Super Tuck at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Again, that's CrossbreedHolsters.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want. Just dial in toll-free at 855-450-FREE. That's 1-855-450-3733. Join us online at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features there. We give them to you free. The bulletin board system is one of them. You can go and interact with other Free Talk Live listeners there over at bbs.freetalklive.com. The Ruger Gun Scout Rifle. Gun, excuse me, Gun Sight Scout Rifle is an affordable, versatile, reliable rifle. It'll deliver 10 rounds of 308 Winchester performance in a variety of situations. It's compact, lightweight, and accommodates a host of optics. It's a serious rifle for those serious about rifles. It's the perfect do-it-all bolt-action rifle where rugged, reliable Ruger meets the practical tactical. The Ruger Gunsight Scout Rifle. It's a really great gift for that person in your family that, uh, that wants a you know a really nice rifle. And you can go check it out at Ruger.com and purchase it at your local gun dealer. It's the run rifle you have to have. You can have only one. Ruger.com. We go to you and your thoughts. Ryan listening to WNMT up in northern Minnesota. Hey, Ryan, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Nemi and Mark. Hey, how's it going? Well, great. What's on your mind tonight? Um, you know, I was just kind of listening to the uh, the talk there about the death penalty, and I kind of find myself uh, a little bit in the situation of your last caller, whereas I used to be um, very, very pro-death penalty. And I, I still kind of, uh, you know, in some situations I see that it's the right thing because I'm kind of, a, you know, the, the punishment should fit the crime type person. 
um, where there should be some kind of equal justice for a crime that was committed. But doesn't eye for an eye just make the whole world blind? What's that? Doesn't eye for an eye just make the whole world blind? Kind of. But, I mean, I, I've, I've always thought about the families that do lose somebody. Sure. And I, I think about if, if I lost somebody, if I absolutely knew if I was a witness or if I was one of the people that was attacked at the same time and I watched this happen, and I can point to you, this is the person that was here, this is who killed my wife, it was him, he was trying to kill me too. I mean, then I know and I know that that's the person that did it. He's the person, there's DNA proof, there's well, no kind okay. of mitigating circumstances or there's anything. Those things happen, right? Okay like that. There's sometimes that that happens, but when you give a power to the government, doesn't that power generally grow? Absolutely, and that's, that's the problem. And then right. where I started changing on this subject a little bit and starting to see, okay, maybe death penalty isn't right all the time, but there should still be something somewhat severe. When I started changing was when I started learning more about um, getting more into religion, about my religion specifically, and I started looking more into um, abortion. Because I used to be a pro-abortion when I was a younger, younger person and a teenager and everything, but now I've become completely anti-abortion. And the reason behind that is that we do not have the right to kill anybody, ever, for anything. Well, uh, if you and that now, was are, are my you a Christian? Change on the death penalty. Are, are you a Christian? Yes, absolutely. Now, so I mean, Christians would say that the Bible says that if you take a life, then your life is forfeit, or something like that. The Old Testament, um, you know, certainly is rife with those kinds of things. So, you know, to me, I think that uh, just because somebody said it in the past and wrote it down uh, doesn't mean that that's the uh, the very best reason. I mean, I I'm I'm no. I think it's great. I tend to fall on I'm I'm falling on the same side as you are on both of these issues, but. You know, not for the reasons that uh, that you have stated. Yeah, see, people that say that it's for religion don't understand the times of the Old Testament. They don't understand that things have been translated and changed in there, but also understanding the culture of those times. There were stories that were made to relate to the teachings that they had. They, they used extreme examples because they were in the Middle East. They were in a culture where that was a norm, where that was an accepted thing. I think the thing with that's the, not the how it is. I think, you know, you brought up abortion, and it's like, you know, it's a, obviously a very difficult issue for a lot of people. And certainly you want to talk about an issue on which you're just not going to convince anyone on because everybody <laughs> seems to have their minds made up on that one. Although, like you said, you changed your mind on it. Me so too. It's possible. Um, but, uh, you know, what it, it is. When it, when it comes to, to people and their opinions on abortion, a lot of it really comes down to people differing on the definition of when life begins or in what their opinion is that life begins. Absolutely. So, I mean, it really just all depends. I think most people would agree that it's wrong to take another human's life, but would they agree that a fetus is a human? And I think that's where you know, you're going to get some points of disagreement. And on the point of uh, vengeance for crimes that have been committed – I, I understand. People have a natural instinct to want that. Like they, you know, if something horrible happens to them. They want to see something horrible happen back to that other person. But the problem yep. with that, with the problem where where, where it comes, I think my view, view of the problem with that is that essentially you are you're you're damaging the world twice. You're damaging all that is, you know, another time completely unnecessarily. And beyond that, uh, you know, is is vengeance really going to fill the hole in your heart? Is it really going to make you, the family member of the victim, for instance, whole again. No, it's not. That that's where that's where Christ for me and forgiveness comes in. Because the also the other thing that comes into into mind too is 
well, if I punch you and then you punch me back, my friend's going to want to punch you. Yeah, because violence begets violence. You know? Well, <laughs> I, <laughs> I'd like to, to weigh in on this. I think Ian's point is, is a good one in terms of vengeance, but I don't necessarily think that that's always the case in terms of getting revenge for something or paying somebody back. Um, I work well, with no, it. paying someone back is different than vengeance, but, right? So paying someone back is actually attempting to make someone whole with some value, but vengeance is removing value from someone's life. Correct. I think she's I, talking about paybacks, mofo. Like, uh, right, exactly. Oh, Mark, that kind of payback. Correct. Payback, like payback, a violent payback. Right, payback. exactly. Not money. <laughs> right, exactly. Now, I, I work with animals a lot, um, and I, I think of dogs. And if you have a dog that attacks other dogs, you don't say, oh, I'm just going to keep you over here away from all the dogs and small children. You say, I'm sorry, I'm going to put you down because you're a threat to other animals. And I, I don't really necessarily think humans are different because if there's someone who is a who is literally an animal well i mean we're all literally animals. who determines that that's the there that's kicker like that, such as saddam hussein osama bin laden well uh, you know i mean saddam, saddam, family. saddam hussein and osama bin laden i mean you know are just people the would-be politicians uh you know they're they're just people that rule others i mean have they done a poor job i would agree with uh, that, that that's the case but you know i mean when barack obama sends the military over to the middle east to uh go get uh saddam hussein and 90 percent of the casualties are non-military non-combatant um individuals isn't barack obama responsible for sending people out I mean, I'd be responsible for hiring a hitman if he went out and killed extra people along the way, wouldn't I? You know, that, there's definitely an argument for that. Yes. So, um, so you I mean, know. There, there's a lot of different, you know, variables to that. I think it, it really all comes down to what's the motive behind it. Is there a good motive? Is there a good cause? Is Can it be rationalized? And is it is it something that's benefits? Well, there's usually a good motive behind a lot of the world's evil. I mean, if you go and you look at what <laughs> a lot is. of evil people have done over the years, many of them believe they were doing what was right for the world and for their viewpoint yeah. uh, of exactly. it. So. Most, most, most evil is done with the best intentions. Indeed, the road to hell is paved with them. Thank you for the call, Ryan. I appreciate hearing from you tonight at 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Nemi, did you have a chance to get all your thoughts I did. I did. Thank you, Ian. 1-855-450-FREE. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can take control of these airwaves and bring up whatever you want. Mark, you went to prison for uh, nine years of your life. Yes, for murder. Had someone decided to break a few of your bones and maybe possibly kill you as a result of uh, you know you being convicted of that, that wouldn't have made the world a better place. I don't think it would. I mean, I've gotten out and I've made uh, you know a better life for myself. Because you're not a dog. You're a human being and you can change. I'm not saying dogs can't change, but you're more likely to. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. The Ruger LC9. Compact, powerful, and perfect for personal protection. The LC9 is only slightly larger than the popular Ruger LCP. Features a checkered grip frame to provide a secure and comfortable grip and includes a finger grip extension floor plate. The LC9 also has a dovetailed high visibility three dot sight system, blued alloy steel barrel, manual safety, and loaded chamber indicator. The LC9, another innovative American made product from Ruger. Learn more about the Ruger LC9 at Ruger.com slash LC9.
This is Free Talk Live. Dial in toll-free and bring up anything you want. The number, 855-450-FREE. We've been talking about the death penalty, but we can talk about anything else. 855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that we give to you over there. Uh, Features like our news updates. You can get signed up. And we'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Go to news.freetalklive.com. Follow us via email, Twitter, Facebook, whichever works best for you. News.freetalklive.com. And the Free State Project's Liberty Forum is coming up February 23rd through the 26th. We're about two months away at this point, and it's so good of a time. I highly recommend that you come out to this event. If you love liberty, that is. If you, uh, you're a fascist or a socialist, you might want to stay home. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if, if you love freedom and you understand the ideas of liberty, you want to be around other people that think like that, this is a great opportunity. It's a great uh, taste of what it's like to actually live in New Hampshire uh, full time, as we do, uh, around hundreds of other like-minded, liberty-oriented people. That's what you'll be experiencing in one weekend in February 23rd through the 26th. Go to freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. Sign up and use our coupon code FTL2012 to save 10%. That's FTL 2012. You'll save 10%. You'll get to see some great speakers, too, while you're at it. You'll get to see uh, folks like Michael Cloud from the Center for Small Government, Michael Bolden from the Tenth Amendment Center, talking about likely nullification, which is uh, what Tenth Amendment Center is really focused on. Yeah, the uh, states having uh, you know powers over their own destinies to some extent. Joel Salatin, the, uh, one of the keynote speakers, is the author of seven books, including You Can Farm, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Starting and Succeeding in a Farming Business. Uh, so He'll be speaking there. It's just a variety of topics. Uh, Jody Emery from Cannabis Culture expected uh, to speak as well. So topics all over the map. There are going to be panel discussions as well. You know, panels like, and I don't have them in front of me, but usually there's like a We Made the Move panel where you get to hear from people that have maybe just freshly moved to uh, New Hampshire and what their experience has, has been like thus far and other neat uh, activist kind of panels. I know there's going to be a civil disobedience panel uh, as well this year, so that's great. And, uh, you know, late night parties, banquet dinners, uh, luncheons, it's, it's just an absolute blast. So go to freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. Get registered. Use our discount code FTL2012. Let's go to Colin, who's actually calling from the home of the Liberty Forum, Nashua, New Hampshire. Colin, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. How you doing today? Great. What's on your mind tonight? Um, well, first of all, I just wanted to say um, I don't think that the government should be able to deem um, which you know what, what crime should get the death penalty or not. However, I would say that um, uh, whether the whether the victim has been harmed, well, sorry, the victim has been harmed. I believe that um, the victim or the victim's family should be able to uh, determine a proper sentence for the. Um, uh, oh man. Lose my train of thought. So wait, if the victim's um, family wants to determine a proper sentence, and by the way, is it Callan or Colin? Colin. Colin. Okay. So, uh, so if the victim, uh, you know, wants to, if the victim is to determine the the uh, the appropriate sentence, are there any parameters on that, or can the victim just decide I want him to have twenty five lashes every single, well, every other hour for the rest of his life with a whip? Well, I mean, I think, I think, I think, yeah, I would agree with you. I think you have to be reasonable. Like, um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, a person. A person well, most of the people in that like position the, are not going to be reasonable. You understand that, right? Very small, but however, but however, something like uh, something like violence, you know, or something, I mean, something like um, killing someone, some, something like someone being raped. I feel like, you know, whether the victim is still alive or not, the, um, if, if the victim's still alive, 
the victim should be able to say, well, this person should get a certain amount of years in jail, or this person should get the death penalty or lethal injection, or if the victim is dead, then the Is it possible that the last decision. person who could be reasonable in a situation like that is the victim or the victim's family member? Well, can you repeat that again? Well, is it possible? You said the person should be reasonable. I gave a ludicrous example of whipping someone, and to that you said, well, you know, the person should be reasonable. And so my question is, isn't the last person or the, most, the least likely person to be reasonable under a circumstance like this where a loved one has been beaten, raped, killed, or whatever, uh, that uh, the, you know, the, the loved one of that victim, aren't they the least rational, the least likely to be reasonable? Aren't they the most likely to be – one of the most likely to be just completely irrational and, uh, and leaning towards violence and vengeance and you know, horrible, in horrible manners? That is a good point, Ian. But at the same time, however, you have done – but however, you know – Everyone is responsible for their own actions. You know, sure. I, I, I know you're more. I know you're more sympathetic uh, for people. But you know, it, it comes down to everyone's responsible for their own actions. So if a person gets drunk and kills somebody, if a person gets drunk and rapes somebody, then that's that person's fault. That person, if that, if, if that person knows that, um, that person knows that they get crazy when they get intoxicated, then that person, you know, can only hold themselves accountable. I mean, now if, the, if I mean, I mean, you could be right about you could be right about the victim being irrational, but at the same time, if she if if she feels or he feels that uh, whatever sentence can be. Can, 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 um, can make her can make her complete can make her whole by it. Then I mean, I mean, it's not it's not like it's not it's not like totally fair. But I feel like it it, it does it does kind of it's kind of a medium. So, Colin, there's this uh, case that went on in um, Iran, and it was over the course of several years, and I believe it just completed maybe earlier in uh, this year, 2011, um, where I guess a guy threw some acid in the face of a girl that he wanted to date or marry or whatever it is, um, and yeah. and she didn't want to date or marry him, so he tossed acid in her face because that was a good idea. And she basically took it all the way to their Supreme Court in order to be able to put acid in his eyes. Now, this does ring for a lot of people like poetic justice. And I've got to say that this guy is some petty, disgusting dude. And at the same time, you know, I mean, I, I, don't, I tend to get sort of confused on this particular issue. I'm like, wow, really? That's pretty you know, pretty poetic justice. And at the same time, I'm like, yeah. you know, but if the, the the biggest problem for me about the death penalty is that it is enacted on innocent people. And, you know, the assumption with these uh, punishments, these uh, rigorous punishments, these uh, cruel and unusual punishments, as it were, they tend to rely on the fact that uh, the idea that they that we know for a fact that the person who did the crime did the crime. And. That's the problem that I have is that there's a percentage chance that that didn't happen, and the percentage chance seems to be about five percent. It could be. Yeah, higher. well, I mean, could be. I agree with you. The justice, the justice system is not perfect, but at the same time, I mean, there are always going to be people that's falsely cracks. You know, the good, you know, there are going to be bad guys that's going to falsely cracks and never get and never get caught. And there's oh yeah, be good guys. I'd rather have a hundred a hundred guilty men go free than one innocent man be put in prison. Yeah, as far as far as the that that case when um, about the about the um, Mark, what was it? You said something about the, um, the guy sprayed acid in a woman's eyes. Yeah, that was, was an Iranian or, case. Yeah. What was the question, Colin? I'm so, I'm, I said, I said, what was the case? Uh, what, what, was, what was the um, Zach Diesel's in the case about 
the guy spray acid in a um, woman's eyes, so she she wanted to make the guy blind to to, to get justification. I mean, to get not, retribution. Not just it. blind, but blind with acid. Are you asking to find what's, out what the name of the case was and like get more detail? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the full details on the case? I was I was curious about. That. Oh, I, 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 I've I, given I, you all the details. I, I, I can like talk about it briefly. But you probably have to. You'll probably have to look in Google. I, Mark doesn't know more than what he gave you. Hey, Colin, thanks for the call. Appreciate well, I just looked it up. You. Her name is oh. on Amene Barami. You still have to look it up. What did right. you search I mean, for? I, I what did you search for? What's this? I searched for uh, Iranian woman acid. There you go. Hello? Thanks, Colin. Appreciate it, man. Eight five five four fifty free. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. Yeah, the 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 justification that um, yeah, well, we'll get some innocent people, but we'll get uh, but guilty people go away free. You know, that's not a that's not a that's fair estimate estimation when it's you, when it's or your loved one, when you're the one who's the one sitting there uh, being accused. Uh, you know, when, and you're innocent. And frankly, this is going to happen a lot more to minorities than it is uh, to. You know, folks that aren't and young people and and yeah, yeah young men mostly. Um, but, you know, I think if there's only I can only think of one woman that's been executed in the United States. That was Eileen Warnos. Yeah, and uh, really only one. As, as far there, as I know, there have been several. I'm sure. Well, I meant I, I meant prior post 1977, yeah. 1970, huh. whatever when they uh, got rid wow. of the death penalty the first time. Eight five five four fifty three. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever you would like. Eight five five four five. Zero three seven three three. We'll look at approaching a violent encounter in a different way in a moment. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want. Just dial in to the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. Here tonight, it's Ian. Demi. And Mark. And we will invite you to the website at freetalklive.com. If you enjoy this program, you can help support Free Talk Live by shopping with us through Amazon. You can go to shop.freetalklive.com. You'll find links there to different Amazons for different countries. And you click into the right one for you, get your shopping taken care of, and a portion of the sale is going to go to Free Talk Live. Now, you won't see it on the checkout or the receipt. There's no indicator. But when you go through shop.freetalklive.com, trust us, it works. Uh, You're just getting the same great Amazon deals you're used to, the huge selection, free super saver shipping, all the stuff you're used to from Amazon. You're just entering through our portal so Free Talk Live gets a cut. Shop.freetalklive.com. Yeah, another thing to think about for this holiday season is... What are you going to do for the holiday party? And how about um, families and friends, uh, you know, getting them something they can eat for the holiday season? This year, make it George's Famous Baklava. George's Famous Baklava is a walnut pastry with over 50 layers of melt-in-your-mouth phyllo. All the ingredients are premium and natural to ensure only the best taste. It's the perfect treat for any holiday party with friends, family, or coworkers. George's Famous Baklava is shipped in a special container, Priority Mail, so it gets to you fast, fresh, and delicious. Order by Monday, December the 19th, to make sure that you have it in time for Christmas. And you can see there... Uh See it at the website, amandric.com, M-A-N-D-R-I-K. There's no C in mandric, mandric.com. 
All right, let's continue with you and your thoughts. We'll go to Amanda listening in Manchester, New Hampshire. Amanda, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, guys. Hi, Nemi. Hey, Amanda. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Well, I was wondering if Nemi ever um, called in to follow up on the basket brigade. No, I thought you were going to. You totally said you were going. So Nemi came and helped us hand out baskets on Thanksgiving. Yeah, these are baskets full of uh, food that you're giving to hungry families or needy families in the Concord, New Hampshire area. Isn't that right? Yeah, we fed 174 people. It was so awesome. It was very awesome. We had a great time. Right. You had actually called in about this uh, several weeks ago, and I guess you were inspired by Tony Robbins, who is one of the motivational speaker guys. Uh, he has this basket brigade thing that uh, that he put together, I guess, and it's kind of been duplicated in other places. And so you duplicated it here in New Hampshire as kind of an activist uh, project because you moved here. Or, wait, did, are you a native or did you move here for the Free State Project? Ian, please, I'm a free stater. Okay, I didn't. I, hey, you I say that like being a native's a bad it's, thing. It's hard <laughs> to keep track of, of everybody. So you moved to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. You're a liberty-minded yeah. person who came here to join together with others, and you felt like, okay, well, yeah, there's all these you know activist things going on, which is great, but we also need to have community outreach and uh, and volunteering and, and stuff like that. And of course, that happens, I think, on an individual basis. But this was the first time I'd ever seen a uh, liberty activist up here, at least within this movement really self-organize more of like a, a larger mission sort of thing rather than just plugging into something that already exists like people here in Keene, for instance have gone to the uh the food kitchen and volunteered some have volunteered at the homeless shelter among other things and uh, but this was the first real kind of self-starter uh you know begin your own organization kind of thing i'd seen which i thought was pretty cool yeah it's been so much fun and we were so inspired by the basket brigade that we decided to keep going and um, for Christmas, we're aiming to uh, provide backpacks full of essentials to the homeless of Manchester. And I've, I've learned a lot about homelessness. Um, I've been reading up, um, like, libertarian viewpoints on homelessness. And it never occurred to me, actually, until it never occurred to me until I read Healing Our World, which is on freaky.com for free. Um, and that's the only reason I read it is because it was available. Oh, excellent. Free. Well, I hope that you'll buy a copy at some point because it's such a great book. And the one that is posted for free over at freekeen.com is the 90s edition. The actual aughts edition, the one from the last decade, is still for sale on uh, you know places like Amazon or shop.freetalklive.com. And there's new information, fresh information in there. She added some pages to the book, and it's a much uh, – I think it's, a, it's, a, it's even better uh, than the one in the 90s. So I would recommend anyone who's enjoyed the free version of Healing Our World world at whether the audiobook or the like the pdf or the ebook uh or the 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 kindle version it's all free over at freekeen.com you just click on uh i think it's books.freekeen.com that'll take you there Uh, but it might be book.freetalklive.com that works too uh so but if you like it you should probably should buy it at some point i don't know if you have yet well i financially i think i i've earned a basket of food but but one day, <laughs> I'll buy a copy because it's right a definitely a good book to have. It's one of those um, books that but, uh, is better when you don't have it, though. It's better when it's in someone else's hands rather than sitting on a, a bookshelf. But anyway, you were going to make a point about it. Oh, um, yeah, but it, it never hit me, the plight of the homeless, until I read that book, um, What Causes Homelessness. And to a large extent, um, I mean, like, various circumstances will leave you homeless, but it's so hard to get out of homelessness because of the government. And I'd say that probably the homeless are in the top 
three groups of um, people in our country that are most affected by our overreaching government. I think the other groups would be like those that have been killed um, and probably um, those that are in prison for like victimless, victimless crimes. But like, you know, I mean, if you're homeless, but you ha- you beg enough to get like five bucks together, you go to the store, get stuff for hot dogs, sell them on the street, you got more than five bucks. Before you know it, you have a, a security deposit for an apartment, you know, but all of that's illegal. And it's really it's hard for, for homeless people to get off their feet. Well, it's and, not just hard and, for homeless people. I mean, she focuses just on how anyone in the, you know, the more poor end of the uh, the economic spectrum has a difficult time because of all these regulations, whether it be health code or whatever it is. Like you gave the example of hot, selling hot dogs. But there's all kinds of business regulations out there that essentially, she, I think as she describes it, kicks out the bottom rungs of the ladder of yeah. affluence. Yeah. And uh, so the idea is that you should be able to run a business from your home or run a business on the street or whatever it's a public place uh then you should be able to do these things to try to kind of you know pull yourself up from the bootstraps so to speak and start from the very bottom rung but you know if the rung's not there because the government won't allow you to uh to do that then what do you do then you're stuck working for somebody if you can find a job job. yeah exactly so so our aim is to give backpacks full of essentials to the homeless for christmas we might miss our deadline um just because it's it didn't hit me, you know, the shipping, how the shipping runs, the USPS, and they're so uh, organized around this time of year. So, so are you teaming so up um, with the homeless? How are you sending backpacks to people to homeless people? Well, that was going to be my question. Are you teaming up with a oh. local homeless shelter? Yeah. When I was talking about shipping, I meant because we're ordering the supplies in bulk online. But, gotcha. Yeah, we're working with the Homeless Services Center in Manchester. They, they told me that, I couldn't believe this when I heard it, but um, the Homeless Services Center, they're a daytime shelter where you can go and, and get resume help do job searches on the computer, shower and shave, get yourself ready, go out for an interview. Mm-hmm. So it's not, a, it's not a, a sleeping shelter. It's just a daytime hangout spot. Um, and they told me that almost 1,000 people have used their, their, uh, their services in some way since July. I couldn't believe Jeez. it. And our goal is to um, provide 200 backpacks by Liberty Forum. But um, right now we have enough donations to buy 48 backpacks. And I'm hoping that your listeners are really inspired and want to get involved in this awesome project and donate or maybe join the Facebook group and participate in the discussion. The is that the best way to get involved, is to go to the Facebook group? Well, yeah, it's 2011, so I would say Facebook. Okay, cool. So, because I've made that easy, uh, because I heard that you were changing the name of the Basket Brigade, because now you're doing backpacks, but besides that... Does that be a funny name for the Backpack Brigade, the Basket Brigade? You know, Brigade kind of has that militaristic feel to it, and it it never really... (laughs) But it is alliterative. It it is. uh, It never really rubbed me the right way, and then I heard that you talked with Jason Talley from Talley.tv and FR33Agents.com, and uh, that you had come up with... Uh, I guess uh, Shire sharing. Yeah, isn't that cute? I, I think really that's like and alliterative well, it's fantastic, too. and it's alliterative, and it uh, it ties right in with the Shire Society, which uh, you know we relaunched the or we launched the Shire Society website uh, earlier this year uh, during just around Porkfest, I think it was. And there's a Shire tab up there at ShireSociety.com. So if you go to the Shire tab and then you go down to sharing, that'll take you to the Shire Sharing Facebook uh, page. And that's where you can get more involved in this and help out uh, with this activist project. So it's a great way to help some of the, the activism in New Hampshire without actually having to be here. So if you heard us talking about the movement, the Free State Project, and all the stuff that's happening up here, there are ways for you to get involved even if you can't physically be here or you aren't able to yet make the move. And Amanda, thanks 
Thanks for the call tonight, and uh, keep up the great work Thanks, out guys. there. Yep, eight five five four fifty free. I, th- I think that's great. And you know, shire sharing is a concept that can certainly expand to different areas, and you know, become more than it uh, than it currently is. She really is a force to be reckoned with, Amanda. It it also uh, addresses to some extent that uh, the idea that libertarians just care about themselves, they're selfish, selfish, selfish. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, there's nothing farther from the truth. Let's talk to Jay in Indianapolis. Jay, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Hey, how you guys doing? What's on your mind, Jay? Yeah, Mark, Ian, and Andy. That's correct. Hey, um, so I wanted to talk about hurting the, liberty, uh, the liberty message. Excellent. I want you to talk about that, but you're going to have to stick with us. We'll bring you back here coming up in hour number two. More with Jay hurting the liberty message. Who's doing it? How are they doing it? 855-450-FREE. You can take control as well. Bring up anything that you like. And again, Shire Society is ShireSociety.com. More coming up. On DVD for a limited time. Chase lives here. You move back here with my son. You're a Yearly is a bold independent film about the struggles of a middle class father as he fights to win back his family after being fired for sexual harassment. Reviewers call Yearly superb, amazing, and one of the most honest looks at today's modern man in marriage to hit the silver screen. I'm guilty of cheating on my wife. Winner of Best Feature at the Malibu International Film Festival and other festival awards including Best Actor and the Platinum Reel Award. Yearly set against the backdrop of a difficult job market and follows a flawed man who makes one bad decision after another as he faces the intrusive scrutiny of the courts. Why didn't you tell me about it? You're a kid and a wife. Go to yearlymovie.com. That's Y-E-A-R-D-L-E-Y movie.com to own the DVD now before they're gone. You have no idea what it's like. You cheated on me. Click the Amazon link on yearlymovie.com and a portion of the sale goes to support Free Talk Live. That's yearlymovie.com. Are you firing me, Riley? We're launching into the second hour of the program. Plenty of time for you and your thoughts about what you want. The number is 855-450-FREE. Coming up, we'll hear from uh, Brad Jardis about his experience in court uh, yesterday. 855-450-3733 as he faces a lawsuit uh, that will perhaps restrict people from bringing guns and uh, weapons onto college campuses uh, so we'll give you more information about that as we get to it here. Joining you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. Nami. And Mark. We're going to jump right back into you and your thoughts. So Jay is listening in Indianapolis. Jay, you're back on Free Talk Live. Oh, thanks for holding me over. Yeah, go ahead with your thoughts. Okay, well, I was listening a few days ago via podcast, and Ian, you were going over uh, the, the Ron Paul highlights of the uh, debate. And uh, I, I really think that uh, he has a shot to... Uh, you know, make some waves in Iowa and uh, things like that. In fact, one of my friends the other day was actually positively asking if anybody wanted to place a bet on whether or not Ron Paul would win Iowa. And uh, he's generally not someone who would, you know, generally just fall in line with someone like Ron Paul. So, I, I Yeah, really someone said to me the other day they saw a dyed-in-the-wool Democrat wearing a Ron Paul button. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I, I think it's really great. But what I, the reason why I called is because uh, unfortunately, here in Indianapolis, you're not on from 7 to 8 p.m., uh, and Neil Bortz is. And I just happen to have the station on. And lo and behold, Neil Bortz welcomes Scott on the radio. And it's the Scott. Uh, Scott the bigot? Exactly. Uh, it took him approximately 90 seconds to start talking about Jews. And uh, at that point, Neil Bortz called him an a-hole and kicked him off the air. <laughs> <laughs> but... 
the important part here is, and I hope Scott's listening. And, and, and honestly, I don't know. Last night he held through the whole show, so he was listening to the, <laughs> the entire. Okay. No, maybe he's well, listening. I, I don't know if Neil Bortz is on delay here or not. I don't know if it's live. Neil Bortz is on delay in Indianapolis. He is a morning, okay. show, a late morning uh, show. Okay. Well then, Scott, if you're listening, please do not call up and say you support someone like Ron Paul, and then the very next sentence say something about something bad about. Did he future. say he supported Ron Paul? He said, I'm supporting Ron Paul because he wants to renegotiate how we deal with Israel and our Zionist occupied Oh, government. no. And I just said, oh, no. Takes you know, all kinds, it. guys. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> Takes Every- all kinds to, to make the world go round, haven't you? Yeah, but it's something we don't really need. Like yeah, Scott, I mean, Scott the bigot just sits in his mom's house all day and uh, calls talk radio shows and spews hatred. Yeah, he ain't it, helping. I can the Ron Paul campaign. Yeah, I can well, tell it, you that it wouldn't be a terrible thing if a meteorite crashed into his apartment. <laughs> now you're wow. wishing ill on the man. I'm not wishing ill on we're, him. I'm were just we just talking about rehabilitation? I've we've tried to rehabilitate this guy for years. Patience, on the air. patience, Ian. It's fine. We're it not was, stopping it, him from calling in. Well, last night I didn't take his call, but you know. Yeah, it, and I'm not calling because you know I hate Scott or anything like that. I'm calling because you know he needs to understand that if he wants things to change, uh, especially something you know such as the relationship with Israel, getting on the air and talking hatred like that isn't going to get it done. If he wants to support Ron Paul, that's fine, but. The one thing that he's missing here is Ron Paul doesn't say he wants to renegotiate how we deal with Israel. He wants to renegotiate how we deal with all foreign countries. Right. He wants to pull the troops out from around the world, and he wants to end foreign aid to all the the governments around the world. You're absolutely right. But this is one of the problems with doing uh, public campaigns is you can't pick your supporters. And so therefore you're kind of stuck in this place where, uh, you know, there was that time in the 2000 campaign where Ron Paul was being accused of taking money from white supremacists. And Ron Paul basically came out and said, well, yeah, but I'd rather have their money than them have it because they're racist and I'm going to do, you know, something good with it. And they're using it for evil or they would use it for, uh, for their racist uh, positions. So, I mean, I think he managed to handle that situation fairly well, but still as well, as one could expect. Still, you you know you're going to come across this where some crazy fool signs up to be uh, you know one of your campaign uh, reps and starts knocking on people's doors and talking about who knows what, or uh, somebody's you know they're sabotaging other people's signs and making it obvious that it was uh, you know your campaign that did it and it makes you look bad. So there's all kinds but, of like political sabotage. Maybe people, it's someone doing one it on those, purpose. One of those types of political sabotage is somebody claiming to be supporting your campaign and then talking about something that. That uh, you know makes makes you look bad. Exactly. And, and this, I mean, you know, who knows who Scott really wants, uh, you know, for president? I have no idea. But um, you know, you know, if he supports him, if he doesn't, he's not doing any good. Well, I, I, it reminds me actually of I think it was the 2008 campaign when Ron Paul was running. Uh, we had, uh, or we, <laughs> like I'm part of it, like I'm on the show, right? Uh, you guys had someone call up that was. Uh, supporting Ron Paul in 2008, and when they got on the air with you, they started talking and then started talking about contrails and went on that whole, you know, down that whole rabbit hole. And you guys got in a debate at that time of, you know, when you start talking about things like that, you really turn people off, and you got to stick more to the more mainstream, true, easily provable things, such as war and deficit and, you know, corruption and not get into the specifics of why you believe those things exist. 
But Ron but Paul that, will stop chemtrails, right? <laughs> I think I think that's the second point. <laughs> hey, anyway, Jay, thanks for the call, go. man. Good suggestions thanks tonight. Appreciate hearing from you at 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. As far as saying things that are going to upset people, inevitably you're going to upset people if you're talking about the ideas of liberty, regardless of the issue. It's just that some things require a certain level of proof, uh, like these, you know, crazy sounding claims about them poisoning the skies and all that nonsense uh, that uh, really is, you know, at this point, that has not been proven, at least not to my satisfaction. And we've heard about it from callers on this show for years uh, on Free Talk Live. And it's usually kind of crackpot sounding uh, folks that, uh, that call in about that. Uh, so, yeah, you've got to be real careful kind of uh, not to go down the conspiracy theory rabbit hole. I think, I think that uh, that's really a danger. I think it's a danger to, you know, how seriously you're taken and the movement right. as a whole. You know, I, I mean, the fact is, I don't know if there is a giant weather modifying machine called HARP in Alaska that's, um, you know, changing the world's weather patterns or not. I mean, there's certainly something called HARP up there. I don't know what it's doing. I don't it's know. Changing your I mean, brain. It Mark. doesn't. It doesn't make sense to me that every contrail in the sky would be a chemtrail, um, but. You know, at the same time, we do know that they do do attempt to do weather modification. We do know that they have sprayed poisons in the uh, sky. I mean, there was the melophion in, in Sarasota, Florida. That much has uh, certainly happened. But everybody knew and that was that, that That was the case. But, you know, there is an end to this. Like some of the conspiracy theorists out there believe that, uh, that there's a population of uh, lizard people that uh, are able to shift shapes and that those lizard people control the world and uh, that they're from different planets and some of them like each other and some of them don't i mean it's just the 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 rabbit hole goes deep and it is wide and it's you know i don't know whether there is a conspiracy theory to kill jfk or not most americans do think this at this point but it doesn't matter like most americans think that there is a conspiracy a plot uh to kill jfk that went that the, the warren commission didn't even touch upon and it hasn't changed anything and my speculation would be would would say that it doesn't matter if it's 911 it doesn't matter if it's chemtrails it doesn't matter whether it's harp it doesn't matter what your conspiracy theory is it's not going to change anything because well we already have proof that the jfk conspiracy hasn't changed anything i i would agree with that absolutely yeah. So not a fan of the conspiracy uh, movement? It doesn't really matter whether I am or not. I, I agree with Mark that... that well, it, it matters to the conspiracy people. Well, Like, they'd love to recruit you. They would love to have you yeah. sitting in this chair going head-to-head with us about 9-11 or whatever, like advocating for chemtrails and like all of that. Uh, love no, that. Not going to happen. That's mm-hmm. what they've been trying to do over the years is call and convert us, basically, so right. we can join the you know the conspiracy well, crowd. Or some whatever. of them believe and you know that we are on board with some of their theories and you know that we just don't talk about them because they're not uh, effective. And you know, I don't know. The fact is, I don't know. Yeah, when I don't it comes take to a position things. on. On 9/11, I don't take a position that the conspiracy folks are right because there's a variety of conspiracies. There's the you know the complex ones, uh, you know, from alien holograms were flown into the buildings, and then of course there's the ubiquitous bombs in the building. You know, there's all kinds of uh, theories out there. I don't take any position on any one of them, and I don't take a position on the government's uh, theory either. I don't know what happened, but I do know that what happened as a result is the government used it as an excuse to make themselves more intrusive and more oppressive. That's yep. right. And the, by the way, uh, the Defense Authorization Act thing has passed the House, so we can talk more about what that means here in a little bit. Take your calls as well, 855 free. This is Free Talk Live. 
you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate well i know a guy who's really great it's the porcupine realtor do you want a home with 20 acres a lakeside cabin any takers for renters buyers and sellers too mark warden is the guy for you porcupinerealtor.com Free Talk Live. You bring up what you want and dial in toll-free, 855-453. That's 1-855-450-3733. Here tonight, it's Ian. Nemi. And Mark. Inviting you to the website at freetalklive.com. You can listen online, unless you have a Mac, apparently. Uh, Listen.freetalklive.com is where you can go. No, actually, what was happening is uh, apparently the Keen Police Scanner isn't working for Mac people. And I don't know why, because I don't know what's up with the Mac thing. I don't get it. I I haven't used a Mac since I was in high school, so I'm, I'm you're a little, missing out. A little disc. Yeah, keep people keep telling me that, but you know, I get my work done with the other Windows things. So anyway, you can listen to Free Talk Live, and the the link should work over at listen.freetalklive.com. Uh, they work Macs for have me. gotten a lot better over the last they few have. years. They're it's a lot true. more like real computers now. They, they really have. Uh, you, you still can't build your own <laughs> for the most part. But, you know, the people uh, with Ubuntu still think we're fools, though. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, they're probably right. Uh, <laughs> listen. Freetalklive.com. Go there. You can get tuned in live uh, through the streams. We've got broadband and dial-up flavors, as well as the radio stations that carry the show. Over 100 of them across the country at various different times throughout the week. Our satellite listening options, including XM and free-to-air, the webcam, as well as listen lines that allow you to call from any phone that can dial long distance. So head over to listen.freetalklive.com. As we go to you and your thoughts, Brad is with us. Brad Jardis, a former law enforcement officer uh, in New Hampshire, spent over 10 years, like 11 years of your life, out on uh, working as a cop, quit the job because you, well, you found the ideas of liberty and you found that you really couldn't go around arresting peaceful people anymore and feel good about it. So uh, you you left that profession behind. You're now focusing on other matters, and you're jumping back in the activism game. Last week, uh, actually the last couple of weeks, you posted some blog posts over at freekeen.com, which is where you blog, uh, one of the places you blog. And uh, you announced you were going to show up at a school, uh, Plymouth State University, with a gun strapped to your back, along with Tommy Mazingo, who's a former military member, also would uh, be armed. Ended up being that a man in a robe issued an order, restraining order against you and anyone else who might have accompanied you, uh, basically saying you can't uh, bring guns on campus, even though it's completely legal to carry a gun openly in New Hampshire. For some reason, that legality ends on the campus, uh, you know, at the campus border. You were saying that's not true, and that's why you wanted to challenge challenge it in the first place but you weren't willing to get arrested for contempt of court and i don't blame you for that because you can't challenge contempt of court you don't get to go to trial for contempt of court it's just an immediate trip to a cage for an arbitrary period of time because you disobeyed a man wearing a robe so you and tommy showed up uh there was a great outreach day there's plenty of video from this day over at freekeen.com you can go and spend a lot of time looking at that and kind of get a, a feel for what it was like but it was great uh, you connected with a lot of young people there was a lot of media there you got national press and then on Tuesday, you went to court. Brad, tell us about it. Yeah, uh, so I've never had a restraining order before. And typically, when you think restraining order, you think, uh, you know, some guy who's being creepy and uh, bothering somebody, like bothering a girl or something. Right. So apparently, the state 
the state views me as some creepy guy and they needed to be protected from me. Um, but what I view myself as doing right now is pretty much policing the state and um, making sure the state uh, respects individual uh, rights and liberty. And so what they did is they went out and they got this far-reaching restraining order, like you said. And what it does is it turns regulations that public university, the public, public university system in New Hampshire has into contempt of court. And these regulations are specifically illegal under state law. And um, so we had a hearing yesterday, and um, a great, uh, great amount of people showed up to, uh, to watch what was going on. And uh, this includes three uh, state representatives um, members of the Free State Project, freestateproject.org. Uh, they moved here to New Hampshire, got elected to the State House, and they showed up and um, they were absolutely uh, aghast at how the university system council essentially got up and, and argued that the regulations that they make aren't regulations at all. In fact, they're policies, and they can just make whatever policies they want and get away with it just because they're they're them, you know? Like, they mm-hmm. have this magical grant of authority from on high to essentially tell people what to do, uh, even though they have no legal authority or standing whatsoever. And, you know, I mean, what's interesting about this, yes, it's gotten national attention, and, uh, you know, I've done quite a few interviews with... Um, with people over the phone from newspapers all over the country. Um, but what people, what I really want to point out to people is the simple solution to all of this is private property. Um, you know, I mean, these university systems that belong, that belong to quote unquote the people, um, this creates the uh, tragedy of the commons condition where, you know, if everybody owns things and everybody has the right to, you know, their constitutional rights to do things on them. You know, we, Tommy Mazingo and I didn't show up at private universities here in New Hampshire and try to tell them how to, dic- you know, try to dictate to them what their rules should be, because that's none of our business. But the fact is, the university system of New Hampshire takes money from you, Ian, and you, Mark, and you, Jimmy. And um, as long as they're going to take your money and use it to subsidize uh, uh, student tuition, uh, as taxpayers, you should have every right to go on this property and carry whatever weapon that you deem suitable. Yeah, but that's just in theory. I mean, Brad, I know that uh, these government people believe that the property that they take care of is theirs, not the public's. They believe it's private property. They've told us that the jail is private property. I was told that I would be uh, charged with trespassing if I went on the government high school property uh, here in town. And, I mean, so there's what the theory is, and then there's the way reality is and how they act. Well, there's different. There's different. <laughs> it's very complicated. There's different levels of public property. There, there can be publicly owned property that is a private area, and there's a U.S. Supreme Court case specifically that uh, that deals with correctional facilities. Um, I know. I, I went with you, Ian, once to the Cheshire County Jail, and only I was allowed to speak to our friend Rich Paul because you were. You were out on bail for having trespassed there before. I mean, it's really it really blows your mind because you probably pay both uh, all three of you probably pay a significant amount of money to Cheshire County to the corrections department. Yet, you know, it's property that supposedly belongs to you, you can get arrested for visiting for right. you know having a peaceful protest. So, I mean, it's, it's absolutely insane. And uh, what we're trying to do up here. Um, you know, it, it goes far beyond uh, just the university system of New Hampshire. And I, I'm sure the university system of New Hampshire is thinking, why us? You know, what did we do? You know, why are these people coming after us? And my simple response to that is, 
Um, I've known these people have been doing this illegally since 2003, and I think we all need to stand up whenever there is anything uh, whatever the state or the government tries to take away self-defense rights. Because, right. Well, I mean, the answer to that question, if they're asking themselves, that is, well, you're in New Hampshire. It's the live free or die state. There are people yep. coming here who love liberty and who are sick yep. and tired of having it uh, crapped on by these government bureaucrats who think they own us. And, you know, you're just in the wrong place. If you don't like it here, then leave, right? <laughs> go, go find Absolutely. yourself another university job somewhere else. That's right, and uh, I, I have to. I think I said this before, but I want to say it again. The um, the liberty activists that came out from Keene when we when we were at Plymouth State University were absolutely wonderful. I mean, if if you uh, listeners out there want to meet some professional liberty activists, this is the place to come. Tell we'll you what, Brad, hold that thought. In. We're going to get to uh, the rest of what happened in court. Uh, and Nemi, you were there as well. I was. So maybe you'll have some to uh, add in on this as well at eight five five four fifty free. As I understand it, the man in the robe has not made a decision, uh, but we'll get some more detail on how that went down. Uh, You can also bring up whatever's on your mind. Maybe you want to comment on weapons on a college campus. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. As a smoker, you know traditional cigarettes are unhealthy, and the taxes be the very beast stealing your freedom to smoke. That's why the Vapor Station offers an assortment of electronic cigarette kits. Each rechargeable, refillable kit is an effective, affordable alternative to smoking. No combustion, no tar, no foul, lingering odors, and no smoke, secondhand or otherwise. Just inhale pure enjoyment and exhale vapor. Take a puff just about anywhere without getting hassled. Get your e-cigarette kit now at VaporStation.com. And bring up what you want, and the toll-free number is 855-450-FREE. That's 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, and we give you the features on the site there. So enjoy those uh, features, including news updates. Get signed up, and you can follow us via email, Twitter, Facebook, whichever way works best for you. Go to news.freetalklive.com. That's news.freetalklive.com. Finding time to read these days can be really difficult. Audiobooks are a great way to get in that reading that you want to do without carving out the time out of your day to just sit down and read a book. Audible.com is a leading provider of premium digital spoken audio information and entertainment. It's in all the categories that uh, you know normal books are in, uh, business, classics, uh, erotica, fiction, history, romance, mysteries, thrillers, science fiction, fantasy, self-development, kids and young adult categories, everything that uh, you could possibly want, many more. I listen to them all the time, and it is easy to use Audible. It's uh, fast, easy, affordable. You can go and get a free download with the free gold membership that you get at audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. There's more than 100,000 titles from which to choose from in every genre. You can get the free audiobook at audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. It's a Christmas gift for you from Free Talk Live and Audible. Audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. Huge selection there. Great deal. Let's go to Bradley Jardis. He is a former New Hampshire cop uh, and now fighting on the side of liberty, although I don't like the term fighting, so I probably shouldn't use it. Uh, But you are now on the side of liberty, and uh, you might consider it a fight, Brad, because you're in court. Uh, You're trying to defend people's right to bear firearms and other weapons that they might feel helps them feel safe uh, in, you know, perhaps from being attacked by someone. 
specifically on college campuses. You made national news last week when you and uh, a former military guy, Tommy Mazingo, showed up on a college campus. Maybe you were carrying, maybe you weren't. It wasn't clear to the people there. You could have been concealing, but uh, the state couldn't prove it, so they couldn't arrest you for it, and you ended up having a good outreach event, which is now turning into a court trial, which you attended yesterday with NEMI. So tell me more about your experience. Well, um, the one thing I want to point out, I was thinking about this during the break, is that People in America or people around the world, um, I think, really need to pay special attention to uh, what happened to Tommy and I when we took the time to point out that the government was breaking the law. Um, the government essentially painted myself and Tommy Mazingo as terrorists. And, uh, I mean, they issued this press release. This, the president of Plymouth State University issued this plus, press release that said, you know, if there's any anything that happens, a siren will sound and, you know, you'll receive a text message, you know. And, you know, it's just such hyperbole that, uh, you know, hyperbole. Tommy and I both, Tommy and I both, you know, I, I wore a uniform for 11 years. Tommy did for four. And we both carried weapons almost every single day that we wore uniforms. But because we decided to leave uh, government service, you know, now because we want to show up and exercise our natural statutory and constitutional rights, um, and because we're pointing out that the government is breaking the law, they're they're trying to style us as terrorists or like you know oh, yeah. uh, tr- troublemakers. And, and they don't like I being called out on their hypocrisy and their corruption. Oh, no. Oh no, no. So I mean, what do they do? You know, they run out. Uh, they run out to a judge, get a get a order, a restraining order, my very first one ever, saying that if we violate any of the college rules that are illegal, it's contempt of court. And to, to most people who aren't familiar with contempt, it's this magical power that judges have. Yeah. It's not written down anywhere. It's a, it's what it's uh, it comes from common law. And they can just basically wave a wand, you know, with a little gold star at the end of it, and then you're gone for, you know, six months at a time, uh, and or it's more. just too bad. You know? It could be more or than more, six yeah. months, I mean, but there's some provision that means that they have to explain themselves if they do it for more than six months. So they'd rather not have to explain themselves to Six-month sentence is a darn long sentence. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, especially when you're doing something that's not legal. Um, so anyway, uh, at this court hearing, it was very amusing. I mean, I a couple times I couldn't help but turn around and smile at the audience listening to some of the things that they uh, that they argued. But essentially, they um, you know they hold on, they hold on. before you go out. on. How many people were yeah. in the audience that were maybe supporting you versus supporting the college system? Uh, Nemi, would you say about twenty to thirty? Yeah, we have a count here that puts it at about twenty-five in support of you. Um, and and I didn't count anyone that was there aside from the um, the officials from the university system. So there weren't a bunch of students that came out on a little field trip to uh, to check it out, huh? No, no not no, that I were, saw. They no, were, they were too busy partying and being children. You know, as everyone likes to refer to college students as you know kids. You know, even though they're young adults who. Uh, who have the ability to behave responsibly. Well, well right. Um, I mean, if you look at the video that Derek J. posted over at freekeen.com, and I don't know if you've seen it yet, but it's where he interviews or attempts to interview the people that were counter-protesting you the other day at the college. Did you see that video? 
I did not. Oh, take a, take a few minutes and go and watch it. It's really interesting because Derek reveals the the truth about this counter protest, which is that it, it had nothing to do with the students beyond the fact that there were two students participating in it at one point, and then three faculty member uh, members that were participating in it. <laughs> it and, was a majority. The student protest was majority faculty members, and and, the, and it was created by an English professor there who who did the signs up. She brought the signs out, and then the students came out, and the two of them that were were there in the beginning and there might have been one or something later but uh, they held her signs that she created the protest that she created so like these students they don't even care enough to start their oh, own protest it's even it's even better than that because when derek first arrived on the scene he was actually conversing with someone yes one and of then the, students. the professor came out and said oh this is a silent protest now if you go back and look at she their, said we don't feel safe talking today that's uh, right that's crazy. And then what? additionally to that, um, the folks who were there trying to engage the silent, the, the now silent protesters mm-hmm. um, were categorized as heckling. And I didn't see any heckling going on. Between oh, I don't it. know. West did go up chanting at one point, recreate Kent State. Oh, boy. I, I missed that. that. Oh, yeah. Okay, so maybe they were heckling. I can't say I, can't say I uh, agree with the heckling, but... What I can say is the vice president of student affairs um, for Plymouth State University, he called me Monday morning, uh, and he called me. I'd been talking to him and the general counsel of the University System of New Hampshire a week prior quite a bit, you know, trying to negotiate a way with them uh, where we can sort of be diplomatic and um, to show them that we, you know, we have, we're taking their concerns into account. Um, but unfortunately, that you know, we weren't able to come to an agreement. They wanted me to agree to something that I just thought was just uh, untenable. So, anyway, he called me uh, Monday morning to tell me he uh, wanted to thank me for how everyone behaved. And uh, you know, I mean, I I'm not the leader of anything, and I wish right. everyone else could have been on the phone. I mean, activism up here uh, in New Hampshire it typically happens. You know, one person gets an idea and and sort of uh, sort of you know draws an outline for how things can happen, and then. You know, everybody's an individual. People show up and do their do their own thing. Right, but so, these people think know, in uh, in authoritarian structures, collective terms, as totally, if, totally, as if totally. you have little uh, wind up soldiers at your uh, disposal. Exactly. Well, right. Exactly. Well, look what, look you, at the, the lyric, not the lyrics, but look at the wording in the the judge's order, which you can see. Uh, you have to scroll down a ways over freekeen dot com. But he he said that you have servants, you know, or, or yes, suggested right. that all of your servants <laughs> and That's all right. of your in, in, Ian, can you go get me a Diet Pepsi, please? We are all in the service of Bradley Jarnas. <laughs> Caffeine-free Jarnis. or regular. Uh, so, uh, all right. So, yes, my servants, agents, attorneys, uh, minions, serfs, you know. And you, anyone you who it. read your blog post as well. He told exactly. – he was basically saying anyone who reads freekeen.com uh, was supposed to be enjoined from carrying weapons on uh, college campuses. I mean, it's just absolutely insane. But, and then he tries to force you to post his order to freekeen.com, which I was was having nothing uh, of that. And so and technically you never wow. really did post his order uh, to the website. You only posted a link to it. And so, right, which you which you which you quickly deleted, which technically uh, complied with the court order because uh, freekeen.com doesn't belong to me; it belongs to you. And I so I you know I I I did blog the order. You just happened to delete but it. But Tommy There's didn't blog it, that. and he ordered Tommy to to uh, to blog it as well. And you never really posted the text of the order; you only posted a link to it. So they could still argue that you didn't post it. But did that even come up during the trial? No, 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 it didn't come up. They I'm not surprised. Uh, surprised. Because he he must know that was completely just wrong and illegal, and that it must be unenforceable that particular part of the order, don't you think? 
Well, there's a state representative who's very upset about that up here. Uh, we'll come back here in a, in a little mo- a moment here and get the rest of the story from Brad as to uh, the courtroom, how it went down yesterday, 855-450-FREE, and you can bring up anything Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Carnation Breakfast Essentials, helping your family get off to a nutritious start every day. Mornings can be chaotic, but a little advance work will take the pressure off. The night before, organize backpacks and put them at the door, along with anything else that your kids need for the day. Set a timer for five minutes before departure to give everyone a chance to mobilize, and off you go. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. Free Talk Live. Dial in toll-free and bring up anything you want at 855-450-FREE. That's 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. We give you the features there, so enjoy those. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, you can become an amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. We'll take that money in and invest it in Free Talk Live, getting on more radio stations around the country and bringing more Internet listeners on board as well. Go to amp.freetalklive.com to get signed up. You can use any major credit card through PayPal or use Vaser or MasterCard right on our website at amp.freetalklive.com. You've been hearing about the new digital currency known as Bitcoin here on Free Talk Live for some time. But for some folks, obtaining them has been kind of tricky until now. Crypto exchange is the fastest and safest way to buy and sell your Bitcoins. They offer a complete bullion store also so that you can buy and sell gold privately with Bitcoin. And silver also. If you're totally clueless about the, how the Bitcoin currency works, they've got a 24-hour customer service link right there on their uh, page. All you have to do is go through the uh, bitcoin.freetalklive.com. There's a banner there that uh, get to, gets you to crypto exchange. It's bitcoin.freetalklive.com. I used their 24-hour customer service the other day, and it worked great. Bitcoin.freetalklive.com. Let's continue. Brad Jardis is on the line here. A former cop in New Hampshire showed up at a college last week, made national headlines. Originally was to uh, strap a rifle uh, to himself, but a judge made an order, a restraining order, which you honored, Brad, because you want to take this to court. And if you'd broken the restraining order, you would have ended up in jail, perhaps for a contempt of court charge, which means you don't get to challenge that at all. It's just like you said, it's a power that the judge has, and it's not written down anywhere. So the legislature can't just go and abolish contempt of court it's one of the most troublesome parts about this government court system that we have is that a man wearing a robe can order men with guns to put someone in a cage for an arbitrary amount of time and there's no level of proof for any any accountability whatsoever for that man wearing the robe so uh, you decided to to hold off you didn't want to do the open carry event but you you still showed up anyway and had a great discussion with some folks and kind of asking the question of maybe you were carrying anyway but no one knew it uh and then it ended up in court yesterday and what else did you want to share about your experience from court? Um, well, one interesting thing about contempt in New Hampshire is that the New Hampshire General Court, meaning the Senate and the legislature, they have the constitutional authority to hold somebody in, in contempt. Like if you show up at uh, the state house and you start uh, causing a problem or, quote-unquote, disrespecting the decorum, um, they can put you in jail for 10 days, and that it's restricted 10 days. That's all they can do mm-hmm. uh, under the New Hampshire Constitution. And... You know, we're talking a vote of, you know, there's 400-something people in the uh, State House and then 20, I believe, 24 in the Senate. So, I mean, contempt itself I have a problem with. I have a problem with people being able to cage other people just on a vote. 
But I think it's a lot better that you have to get, you know, 200-something people to agree uh, in order for someone to do 10 days in jail versus one person yeah. uh, waving a magic wand saying six yep. months. So that could be changed on the constitutional level. Could it level be? If they change the Constitution, could they do that? Or could the courts basically Absolutely. say, that was unconstitutional, no. you can't do that? No, no. If they, if the legislature were to change, or excuse me, if the people were to change the constitution, they absolutely could reel in the That'd criminal nice. contempt power. Because these judge, these I robed think, men are out of control. Now that's that's relevant to seventy three A, right, Brad? What is that? Yeah, uh, right. Article seventy three A in in uh, in New Hampshire uh, says that the court, the Supreme Court, has the power to make rules, and they have the force of law. And that's why they're able to uh, they're able to delegate that power to the administrative office of the courts, who comes out with who come comes out with all these rules saying, oh, you can't possess a camera, you can't possess sunflower seeds, you can't smile, you can't show emotion, mm-hmm. and I mean all of this stuff is is deemed to have the force of law. So um, one great thing that's come out of this uh, this uh, thing that Tommy Mazingo and I uh, uh, came up with for this uh, Plum State uh, protest is that. We've got many members of the legislature who are uh, upset at the, at the court order, at the, at the judicial overreaching, and um, the disrespecting of, uh, of the general court's authority. So um, I posted on Free Keen, there's a great letter written by State Representative J.R. Hull, um, who he takes issue with the fact that um, the, the court, first off, completely ignored the law, and then he takes issue with the fact that uh, people were compelled, it's called compelled speech, uh, under the First Amendment, uh, to blog uh, on your website. So um, it, this could be touching off like an intergovernmental um, firestorm. I do like it when they fight with each other inside the government. Uh, I think that's <laughs> fine. But I, I still, you know, it, it's hard for me to get too excited, right? Because I've heard a lot of talk about this uh, this committee. There's this, here in New Hampshire, it really upset the courts. You mentioned the administrators of the courts. It really upset one yep. of the administrators, like one of the head judges, wrote an article against this new uh, this new group that has been formed that has a certain amount of rep- so-called representatives on it. It's uh, like the well, what's it called? The grievance panel, I think. It's called the it's called the redress of grievance committee, and it's a uh, it's a constitutional uh, power that the legislature has to hold hearings on government officials. But they've never done it before, and they just created this panel like within the last year. And to my knowledge, no uh, hearings have been held. And that's uh, not true. Uh, no, that's not true. Hearings hearings have been held. Uh, no one has been, no one has been removed from office for anything they've done yet. Um, but that potential, I mean, I, I would say... Have any judges had he- hearings held on them? Because there's been all this talk uh, yes. about... Yes, there, there has been, uh, there, there's been a marital master named Phil Cross who uh, had hearings held on him. There's been a judge from Rockingham County who had hearings held on him. And I predict that uh, Judge Vaughn, the, the judge who issued the restraining order to Tommy Mazingo, myself, and my servants like you, Ian... Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I predict that uh, I predict that he's going to be meeting that committee also. And you can tell that this is a good idea. Um, the, the the way that the legislature is doing this, you can tell it's a good idea because the bureaucrats are absolutely freaking out about it. Yeah, and and that's why I feel like it's on the right track, but I just don't feel like anything's really happened yet from it, and I just feel like it's a lot of talk. And the time when I approached uh, these folks, they were like, oh, yeah, we'll be happy to look at that, but first you need to approach your local reps first and talk to them and see if they'll do anything with us. And it was just like, here's the runaround. Let's have you jump through some more hoops before we'll actually take your, uh, your issues seriously with these judges that are throwing men in jail because they ask them three questions uh, on their way to work. 
I mean, there's just all kinds of crazy stuff happening, and these guys are just like, oh, yeah, well, you know, you've got to jump through these hoops before we'll even look at this. Now, just to, yeah, well, to clarify on something I'm, that you said earlier, Ian, about how long this um, – it is, as Brad said, constitutionally guaranteed, the Redress of Grievances Committee. Now, how long it's been, it hasn't been held in my lifetime until you're right in the last year or two. And the one uh, case that I know of that went before the Redress Committee was uh, the Baby Cheyenne case. They did have a hearing. Yeah. yeah what does I that remember, mean? I what, do you, what, the, what does that mean? That went. Well, you have them? to have hearings before anything happens. And yeah, I'll admit that uh, you know I'd like to see. Obviously, these bureaucrats are going to be very, very careful when they go. The politicians going to be very careful when they go after the bureaucrats. That much is true. But you're not going to get what you want every time, and you haven't gotten what you want uh, by not having the committee. Right. I mean, I'd love to see something happen with it. It's just it, what all I was saying was it's hard for me to get all jazzed up because some representative wrote a letter about this. Like, I'm glad he cares, but I'll believe that the system works when it actually works to take one of these scumbags in a robe off of the bench. Well, Ian, I'm really hoping to uh, to impress you with what I'm trying to do right now and, and to make you go, hmm, maybe this stuff can work. You know, if you can get them into such an uncomfortable position uh, and you can box them in in so many different ways that they just can't eke their way out of it. Um, and, and I believe that, that this type of activism has merit to it, and I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying very hard, you know, up here, you know, I remember speaking to you at the, the Keen Activist Center, you know, and, uh, you know, and I was trying to explain to you what I was trying to do, and, and it sounds to me that, you know, you're a believer, and if you have an idea, uh, prove it, you know, prove your concept by actually doing it, and, um, you know, I think that, uh, I think we can accomplish a lot for liberty by going by pointing out the state's hypocrisy and the the flaws and legal reasoning that they have um so, so what's hearing, next for court? I mean, because this guy basically took it under advisement. I mean, he heard your argument, right. he heard their side, and now what? Right. So uh, the attorney, there's two uh, two uh, Free State Project member attorneys who uh, represented myself uh, and Tommy Mazingo, and by proxy, all of our servants like you, Ian. And the uh, the argument that one of the arguments that they made was uh, that the Constitution doesn't allow this type of blanket gun ban in New Hampshire, both the federal and state constitution. And the uh, it was it was actually kind of funny. The University System of New Hampshire's attorney got up and said that, oh well, you know, we basically haven't considered the Constitution, and we're not ready to mm, right. we're not ready to argue about it, you know. And and so the judge uh, Judge Vaughn gave until January third to submit briefs on the constitutionality of. So the are gun you ban. back in court on January third? Um, I believe the briefs are going to be filed, and then he's going to take the matter under advisement. And then issue an, to, and issue a ruling at that I point? I think it's a huge success a that they even were able to mention the Constitution, because it's so rare that you, you do. Tell you what, usually, Brad. Usually, what's that? Oh, I was going to say, go ahead with your last sentence. You got no, no I was just going to say, um, I think this is going to go to the Supreme Court. I think we're going to win. All right, I right appreciate on. I appreciate the optimism, and I, I hope you do, because it can only be good if you do, and I thank you for the call tonight. Keep us in the loop. Thanks, Hour 3 is next. You can take control at 855-450-FREE. Bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. Do you want to do something that will impact the world in a positive way? Do you have a skill or ability that could help advance human freedom? Introducing the Freedom Engineers. Freedom Engineers are a cadre of builders, coders, designers, funders, and more from around the unfree world who are right now collaborating on the technologies and enterprises that will build the free future. 
Join a growing network of inspired individuals to get the help you need to complete your radical idea or jump in and lend a hand with exciting projects already in motion. Go to freedomengineering.org to get connected. Sign up for the free newsletter and check out the Freedom Engineering blog to hear the latest about what's happening behind the scenes. Freedomengineering.org. It's time to build freedom. Launching into the third hour of the program. Dial in toll free, bring up whatever you want. The number is 855 450 free. It's brought to you by SACL CAI, 1 855 450 3733. And joining you in the studio here, it's Ian, Nami, and Mark. And we invite you to the website at freetalklive.com. You get to control the content of the site. You can submit show prep to it. You can submit stuff from all around the web, whatever URL you want to put in there. It could be a YouTube video. It could be um, a news article, something funny, whatever you want to put in, uh, whatever you think our other listeners would enjoy because they get to vote on it. You get to vote on things too. And the most voted up, make it to the front page and the top of the website. It's voting that really makes a difference over at freetalklive.com. Uh, we continue with you and your thoughts. And then coming up, maybe we'll get to some of the show prep we brought in here tonight. Of course, you can call about anything. <laughs> uh, so we're going to go to Kelvin first here in this hour, listening in Colorado on the amp lines. Hey, Kelvin. Hey, good evening, gentlemen. And uh, Nemi, right? Hey, uh, it is Nemi, yes. I'm uh, a little disappointed that I didn't get to uh, talk to uh, Bradley Jarvis. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. But, we could put yeah. you on with Scott the Bigot if you'd like. Uh you know, I would like that sometime, but I think uh, I need more preparation okay. before I do that. So go ahead with your thoughts, uh, Kelvin. After my poor showing last time, uh, anyway, uh, I wanted to know how uh, how those guys managed to not get searched when they uh, they stepped onto the campus, because I know that the, the uh, you know the legal right to search, they would have to qualify for, I believe it's called the Terry Stop, which is when the uh, it's like incident to a uh, interaction with a citizen when they have some belief that they may be in danger, and mm-hmm. so they can pat you down for weapons. And since these guys had announced previously that they were bringing weapons, uh, they must have been concealed weapons, and so it would seem like they would take that opportunity to to search. Those guys, and it didn't look like that happened. I can actually uh, speak to this. They they were not searched um, because there was no probable cause for a search. If the government had 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 an articulate uh, articulable, thank you. That's, that's the word that was not articulable coming articulable suspicion. suspicion. You, you don't hear that word every day, uh, you know. And just that they had said that they were going to carry on campus was not enough to justify a Terry stop. Although I can understand why Kelvin would think that, I mean, I would. I think Kelvin's, you know, close to right. Possible, you know, they, absolutely. They could have probably done it anyway, but they uh, they didn't. Right, and I think that was a, a good move on their part. Uh, but the Terry stop uh, or Terry frisk is I, the, what I'm trying to find out is whether the Terry frisk can be done just on the street. I think it can. 
I know it can certainly be done at a uh, an auto pullover, but the original idea behind the Terry Frisk was that if a cop felt he was in an unsafe circumstance, he could pat the person down simply on the outside of their clothing to feel for what uh, believed, you know, what are believed to be weapons, and then uh, ask someone to reveal something that they believe is a weapon. I believe one of the one of the key components of a Terry stop is that you are being detained; you're not free to go. Mm. And he was free to go, to go I yeah. think, because all they yeah. did was basically serve him with papers. He and uh, and Tommy had come on this college campus after announcing they were going to carry guns on there, uh, and they got served with a notice that basically said you can't come here with a gun, but they didn't have any openly carried guns, which is what they originally had said was they were going to strap it to their back, uh, and they, they hadn't done that. So I guess they didn't have any reason to search him. Correct. Because they sur- sure as hell would have if they, caught they, if they thought they could get away with it. Right. right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So and maybe they would do it in yeah, other places too, or maybe they would have done it if they, they they weren't dealing with a former cop. Maybe if it were you or I who uh, were planning this particular protest, they would have figured, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. We'll be able to get away with this. But maybe they figured Brad was too much of a hard target or something like that. Well, they do seem to uh, react differently in different situations, and it's it's just funny to t- to try to figure out when is it going to be a situation when things are going to get violent. And when it's going to be just, you know, we're all going to be in our best behaviors and uh, go that way. For example, uh, I had heard when uh, when you guys went down there to the uh, uh, outreach program uh, that uh, you got pulled over. Uh, I believe it was Ian. Yeah, we were coming back, actually. We went through Manchester to run an errand for someone, and then on the way out of Manchester, we're pulled over for a non-inspection sticker. There was no inspection sticker on Derek J's car, allegedly. And uh, the cop actually yanked Derek's door wide open during that encounter, and it was really outrageous. So he had been ordered to step out of the car. Derek J refused to do that. That's correct. He had his window rolled down a crack, but the door wasn't locked. Yeah. Uh, and so the officer ordered him to come out of the car. He didn't come out of the car. And in a lot of cases, when that happens, my understanding is that the pepper spray comes out then. And uh, and even if you roll up your window, they have a little tool that will go between the glass and the seal, and they could have hosed you guys all down in there for refusing to get out of the car. So they could, I suppose. I've, I've never heard of it happening here, but that doesn't mean it hasn't happened here. Or couldn't happen here. Right. Uh, I mean, they have pepper yeah. sprayed Derek J. once uh, here in Keene, and that was simply for not getting in their car when they already had him in handcuffs, and he's a little guy. They could very easily have gotten him in there if they'd wanted to, yeah. but they just wanted to hurt somebody. Yeah, almost, so I guess this cop wasn't yeah, feeling particularly sadistic. Yeah, a little bit of extra punishment to motivate you. Uh, Anyway, I well, who knows? Maybe he would have done so, it if he couldn't so have swing, swung the door open. I mean, I don't know. If Derek uh, had locked the door instead, maybe we would have all gotten doused. But then again, we did have cameras rolling, and that might have uh, been a factor as well. This advice to crack the yeah. window has always uh, you know, bothered me because I think that it does incite police uh, a great deal. I mean, you know, they, they have the expectation you're going to roll down your window, then they're going to say, roll it all the way down, and you get to say yes or no to the officer. And that's going to go however that goes. And what if they decide to be violent, then they get to, to you know, the, 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 um, you know the, the, the assumption is, is 
is that you're the bad guy every single time. That's why I don't like this crack the window uh, well, kind of activism. It's a sensible policy, especially if you've got pot in the car or you know if someone has smoked some uh, some pot in the car. But it's well, also you're right. Sensible. The pepper spray will uh, mask the smell of the pot because you don't want. <laughs> Mark, I know you're scared of the cops. Nice. They are scary people, uh, and they do hurt people. That's certainly true. But when you refuse to roll down the window, it immediately indicates that you're someone who knows their rights and that you are someone who's not, uh, you know, you're not your average uh, pushover that's, uh, that they're used to dealing with when they pull folks over. And I think it sends a message to the officer that, you know, they better tread carefully, especially when you also whip out a video camera at the same time and let the officer know that uh, you're recording. And, he, you know, he... He, after he said that, uh, he did not push further on that particular issue of rolling uh, the window down. Well, I'll tell you this, Mark. I, I can certainly see your point, but I drive um, on my own, and I have been pulled over. Actually, I was pulled over three times inside of four days in the week oh um, ensuing after, uh, after my birthday. Because in New Hampshire, your registration and your inspection expire at the end of the month, and you actually have 10 days into the next month That's to correct. have your, your inspection done, but your uh, driver's license every four or five years expires um, at midnight on your birthday. So I hadn't really thought about it. I was procrastinating and, and saying, okay, well, I'll go get my registration inspection, my license done all same day, end of the month, whatever. Um, no, I got pulled over. I, I don't know if they're scanning my plate or what, but um, there was one particular officer who I wasn't really comfortable with. Um, and I... I don't really like opening my window to somebody who is bigger than I am and has a better vantage point than I do sure. and, and who could potentially be violent to me, whether or not he's in a uniform. I understand. You know, so I, I will crack the window. So you're advocating, Mark, to kiss the ring and bow down because you're afraid, right? Uh, well, my assumption is, no, what I'm concerned with is tickets, right? Like, I don't, okay. I prefer not to get them. And I don't want to give advice necessarily to listeners that's going to result in something that they don't want. You may have the quote unquote right to, uh, you know, crack your window if that's what you wish to do, but don't think that it's necessarily going to go well. Oh, I agree that you're going to get the ideal situation. Who would think that? I mean, anytime you're refusing to bow down to the state agents, there's always a chance they could get violent Lots with you. Lots of people believe that when, if they're in the right and they have rights, that things are going to go well. But, you well, know, they need to learn their lesson then. Well, you know, I don't want to create are, situations. These people are unpredictable, and anytime you stand up they're for They're pretty rights, predictable when you don't roll your freaking window down. No, they are not. I mean, the, the guy that was having a, uh, a diabetic shock attack ended up having the crap beaten out right, of him by and, these cops. And, but he didn't roll down the window. It's because he was in diabetic shock. The point is, these people are out of control, and you never know when you're dealing with a rogue cop. So why not protect yourself from them? More coming up here, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. I mean, if you want to bow down and kiss the ring, then don't be an activist. It's Free Talk Live. DigitPress.com is your home for illustrated science fiction and adventure. Escape from Terra, Volume 2, continues the bold adventures of intrepid space pioneers as they find wealth, freedom, and a giant Elvis hit in interplanetary space. Thetis Crumb is where Swashbuckle meets Steampunk in this offbeat space pirate saga written by L. Neil Smith and illustrated by Scott Beezer. Both books are $14.95 each and available now at BigHeadPress.com. Free Talk Live, you can bring up what you want. Dial in toll-free. 855-453 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. 
We give you the features on the site there free, so enjoy those on us. We have the Shrine of Female Listeners, the dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send in their validated photo or video showing their listeners of the program. Go to shrine.freetalklive.com. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for their customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI, you can see their banner at freetalklive.com. It's the top one on the right-hand side of the page, SACL CAI. All right, so you guys called me out after we went to break, and I deserved it. I, I, I guess I was uh, – I didn't speak clearly when I went to break there. I suggested that – you were, t- were talking about the police, and you pulled over. If you crack the window, Mark, you say that that could make things worse. And there is always the possibility that some rogue cop is going to make things worse for you. What do you. you think the chances are that it'll make things better? I mean, I just I, – I, I tend to feel like cracking the window benefits me in no way. Well, it shows, as I mentioned, it shows the cop that uh, that you aren't just going to jump through his hoops. You're not just going to do what you're told. I can tell him that I, I mean, for instance, in all my vehicles, I have uh, a Freedom Cam at uh, freedomcam.net, and I can tell him you're being recorded right now. Yeah, and that'll show him that he. That and we I'm, did both. We, uh, you know, Derek kept his window cracked mm-hmm. and also informed him that uh, that he was, and we informed him that uh, that he was being recorded. But my point was, look, if you're going to engage in non-cooperation, and that's non-cooperation when a government bureaucrat tells you to jump and you don't jump when a government bureaucrat tells you roll down the window and you don't when a government bureaucrat tells you to open the door and you don't that's non-cooperation i agree and anytime you engage in non-cooperation you should expect there's always a chance that some cop is going to put you in a pair of handcuffs and take you away to a cage always that chance in your case or in this case likely you know you're going to get a ticket or something like that it's pretty rare you're going to get handcuffed and taken away from your car for a traffic violation but that's still a possibility uh, because these people expect you to be cooperative they expect you to do what they uh, what they tell you to do i don't and- know what's going to happen when i refuse and because for one thing i'm not going to refuse to roll down a window and then roll down a window if i tell a police officer i'm not rolling down my window any farther you can believe i'm not rolling my window down any farther i am not going to take a stand and then back off of that stand i would back off if he pulled his gun on me then why did you make the stand in the first place the the point is to make a stand mark but you're not making a stand if you're waiting you don't get shot for speeding I, I I don't know what's going to happen. You may very well get you, you will get shot for not pulling over. And as far as some police, I don't know. I mean, I I, I frankly find this activism to be of little use. And that's Good. the statement. And that's I've why made you don't along. do it. And you can just jump through whatever hoops they put up for you. I, so uh, what I was saying was, is if you what I meant to say, I guess, is that if you want to be non cooperative, then be non cooperative. But expect there's always a risk involved. I mean, otherwise, you know, that's that's the kind of activism I was talking about when I said what I said at the uh, the end of the last segment. Yes, that's so a type of you activism. can still Lots do of different types other of types of activism, but you know, don't call yourself a non-cooperative activist if you're just going to jump through every hoop they put up for you, every piddly little hoop, because they love to just tell you little things. Like, for instance, if you watch the video I mentioned, I think we mentioned it uh, yesterday at freekeen.com. That uh, actually, no, we haven't mentioned it because it was posted last night. So, just posted today at freekeen.com was a video of the high school outreach that we. Did did yesterday and it's a perfect example of how bureaucrats not just cops but any bureaucrat will attempt to to make you do something they'll attempt to exercise their authority and uh, so we're out front 
of this high school. And actually, uh, Adamo and I were out out by the road holding a banner, so we weren't there for most of this interaction. Uh, and Pete from Coplock.org and some others were up by the front of the school handing out flyers. Uh, who owns you flyers to the high school and middle school students that were coming out? Because it's like a combined school with both high school and middle school in it. And, of course, the uh, bureaucrats don't like it when other people are giving uh, kids propaganda. They like only for their propaganda to be distributed That's at true. school. So they came out and immediately got in Pete's face. And, of course, Pete's recording uh, this entire time. And basically they said to him, well, you could just go over there to that white trailer. That's where the superintendent is. And you could just ask him for permission to give this out. If you have permission, you can give these out on uh, campus. And so they were trying to get him to do what they wanted him to do. And that is, you know, we have these rules and you need to follow them and we'll just arbitrarily make them up on the spot or, or whatever. But you need to do what we say so we can prove that we're in charge of you. And of course, no one went over to the trailer. Derek J. continued to hand out uh, the flyers unabated and uh, they ended up uh, calling the police, I guess, at some point. But by that time, the, the kids were all on the buses and so we took off and the one uh, school resource officer was there on crutches. So oh my. that was kind of nice because, you know, sad. the guy's there on crutches <laughs> so you know he's not going to be making an arrest. Uh, and so it was, it was interesting. But it, it gave you an example of just how petty these people are. They they have their little rules and they want you to follow them. They they would love for you to just go into the white trailer where you can then fill out some form and submit it to the bureaucrats and then the bureaucrats will say, we'll get back to you on this. And sure. then, you know, maybe they'll get back to you. Maybe they won't. And if they get back to you, of course, they'll say, we're sorry, you can't distribute this on campus. Bye now. And that'll be the end of that. Sure. And that's Goodbye. what they want you to do. Now you've asked and you can't, uh, you know, you, you can't, you can't ask forgiveness. So the point. value is personal, Mark, whether it's there's tangible value to doing something like this. The value is personal in that you're refusing to obey the orders of another human being. And you as a Quaker should have a lot of appreciation for that. Like, that's fine by me. But that doesn't mean that I think that it is activism of any value. You can have all kinds of activism. You can walk down the street with no pants and then say, I have activism of value because I am not submitting to their pants authority. Please stay away from my neighborhood. Right. It's just, you know, I, to me, if I'm going to do activism and I'm going to take uh, the chance of having a, a stun gun or a pepper spray, you know, sprayed into my car, I'm going to do that for a reason that is going to be, uh, you know, useful and articulable. How about it's cold out? I'd like to keep my window up. Uh, you know, the cop standing out in the cold, he doesn't really care about your excuse. As far I don't as care that about the cop. I'll he turn didn't have up to the be heat. there. So what if he tells you to get out? You're going to get out? I, you know, I've never had that happen. Well, he told Derek J to get out. I might ask him why. Get out of the car right now. I'm asking you. I'm why. ordering you to get out of this car. Fine. Do you understand that you're being recorded right now? Anything that you uh, say or do is going to be used as evidence, and I am taking this to court. So Please, you're get out. when you write out my ticket, write it out in days in jail because I'm not going to pay you one red cent. Okay. But you get you would get out. I'd get out. Okay. Fine. Okay. I'm not going to take the chance of getting shocked or pepper sprayed or sh- uh, any of these things. Okay. What am I going to do? Wait for him to stick his finger in my nose and drag me out the window? I, I mean, I don't blame you. I don't want to get hurt. If the cop says either. get out of the car, you are going to get out of that car. Derek J didn't. I wouldn't. That, fine. Why? I wouldn't. Why? I, I think it's a it's a matter of feeling personally safe. I, I really do because this These, is they're dangerous, right? Well, how do you know it's a real cop, right? Well, the- right. There, there are several stories in the news uh, recently in this this year. We've had I think five um, people impersonating law enforcement yep, in New Hampshire. 
Absolutely. And they say, you're supposed to call 911 and have them verify that the person with blue lights behind you is actually a cop and has actually pulled you over bona fide and you can ask for ID and, and they're supposed to be I need to um, try that one courteous. Sometime. Yeah, I think and, you should ask them for ID. That's awesome. You know, ask, ask them for identification. But this is all... No, no, no. But I want to try that. Like, be on the phone and say, uh, oh, hold on. Hold on there, officer. I'm on with 911 right now just to verify right. you're a real cop. That's right. And see how they respond to it. Just slide your ID through the crack in the window. This is... This this is advice they give to women. I, I don't. I, that's it's good advice. Eight five five four fifty free. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up what you want. One eight five bad advice. Four five zero three seven three three. It's bad advice to keep going along to get along. The state owns the land, but they don't own the water. If they threaten you in your home, you can try to escape their tentacles by packing the car, leaving your house and much you've worked for, and hope to cross their borders. But if you lived on a boat, you weigh anchor and sail away. Not just any boat, a life yacht. It's a stable catamaran as big as a house that purifies its own water, generates its own power, grows its own food, and has a shallow draft to be able to get a car or SUV ashore. You can be involved for $1,000 and a commitment as little as eight months. EricksonCouncil.com Talk Live. You can dial in toll-free here, 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and you can uh, also join us on our website. We've got a mobile site for those of you with smartphones. You'd like to access our streams, perhaps, or the podcast. Go to m, as in mobile, dot freetalklive.com. That's m.freetalklive.com. WiseFoodStorage.com offers delicious, ready-made meals like cheesy lasagna and savory stroganoff that are packaged for freshness in individual metal Mylar pouches. I've had uh, several of these meals, and Ian, you have too? I have. Well, a couple so far, but I want to have some more. Yeah. And they're, you know, you've actually got a couple sitting right here. They come in convenient plastic totes. You can keep them, you know, in, uh, say, a basement or garage or whatever's convenient for you. Uh, you could make them in just minutes simply by adding water. They are quite good, and they make plenty of, uh, there's, there's plenty to, to feed folks with. I actually want to get some more because you only gave me like four to start with with and i haven't gone i haven't bothered to actually order my own yet so i should do that because it's i've enjoyed them well you can order them by going to wisefoodstorage.com or calling 855 food wise you can actually get a free entree sample not you you've already got your free entree sample yes i got a few of them <laughs> but anybody else listening to the sound of my voice can get a free entree sample by uh, go, uh, going to uh, food wisefoodstorage.com or calling 855 food wise and also use the same coupon code ftl that's what you use to get the free entree. You can also use it to get uh, no-cost shipping or 10% off any order. And 10% off any order. It's wisefoodstorage.com, coupon code FTL, 855-FOODWISE. So we were talking about him earlier, and he appeared. It's Scott the Bigot in Massachusetts. You're on Free Talk Live. Good evening, uh, Ian. Speak Many. of the devil, they say, Scott. And uh, Mark, how are you? Well, go ahead. do for you tonight, Scott? I, I'm going to support Ron Paul, and I'm going to tell you why. Yeah, we heard you called the Neil Bortz show with the same uh, position. Yes, and uh, did you hear Mr. Bortz, uh, the horrible word he called me at the end? I heard he called you an a-hole. Yes, that's right. On the, the air? The reflection is on him, gentlemen, not on me. Not well, on you know, you, I, you I, say I some really awful things, and you're lucky you got any, of the, any air time with it. You're, you're lucky that you're so tolerated on this show, uh, Scott the Bigot, even though I didn't take no, your you're, call last you're, night. You're, you're, you're you're, uh, you're you're kind to me. Uh, you you uh, may disagree with me, uh, but by and large, uh, 
there are talk show hosts that are uh, that are absolutely ruthless. They are ruthless. There's it's no true. Many talk show hosts, uh, you know, they they really like to shout and yell at people. I don't much appreciate that particular approach. Uh, you know, they may, may think it's entertaining or their audience may enjoy it or whatever. I'd rather take the, the more measured uh, approach, the, perhaps the intellectual approach, try to discuss things with you. By calling him the bigot. And, he uh, is a bigot. Using uh, all kinds of uh, terminology that uh, disparages him when he calls. He, what? I haven't disparaged Generally Scott. you do. What do you mean by that? Most of the time when you call him, you disparage him. Yeah, what are you talking about? You don't about? use uh, epithets like uh, a-hole, which I can't believe uh, Neil said right on the air. But... Scott, when have I disparaged you? You, you? you know, gentlemen, I'm going to tell you something, and I'll just, I will just—I don't want to take up time wasting my breath with Neil Bortz, but the reflection is all on him, not on me. It just shows you what a low life he is. So let's just leave Well, I'm not going to go there. I'm uh, not going to go there either, but I want to say this is why I, I want... Your listeners to consider. Uh, uh, Ron well, wait a minute. Have I ever right. been really? You know, have you ever felt like I was really nasty to you, Scott? Well, there, 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 are, there are times when uh, uh, I feel that you, uh, uh, you know, are uh, uh, like last week. You, you took a little glee in saying something to the effect of, "Like I like to knock Scott down a few pegs." Did I so, say that? But, that doesn't sound yeah, like you at all. Like that. But anyway, you, you, you're uh, by and large, you're not. Mean spirited. I, uh, I, I've, I've come across uh, hosts that are really. It, they You're frustrating sometimes. Mind. I mean, they I can be frustrated to, they by you. They want to chew you up and spit you out. That's Sorry, what I could, I could be frustrated by you, Scott, because you're relentless. I mean, you. Now, keep Scott, do you think that with, with your stand, with your stand on Jews, do you think you're in any way beneficial to the uh, Ron Paul campaign? Yes, I'll tell you why. Because Ron Paul, uh, first of all, he's the only one with a viable plan. But this is, this is an answer to the question. He has tangible goals. Yeah, he but wants not... to abolish the Federal Reserve. Yes. I don't think he understood he, your question. Scott, you, yourself, and your uh, as stances on as a the issues, uh, right, uh, you know, you Someone being hates believing everyone. that uh, Jews have caused all the, uh, the, the problems in the world, Remember, disliking blacks, everyone. disliking gays, Besides white not Christian being particularly uh, fond Equal of women in particular. Hater. Do you think that when you say these things and then advocate for Ron Paul, do you think it's been beneficial to the Ron Paul campaign at all? Because I don't think it is. I'll tell you why it's beneficial, because a lot of people that support him may not come out and say it, but they have the same ideas in mind that I do. There are not a lot of people like you. Oh. <laughs> I don't think there are. I think, I think Ian's right on that. You're going to see the Occupy Wall Street is going gonna, is gonna to flock to him. You're going to see that they're going to... They're angry that they got humiliated. But the Occupy and, and Wall Street like folks are, are, for the most part, very tolerant of folks like gay people and blacks and Hispanics and Jews. They're a very tolerant group of folks. And in fact, the only people they were intolerant of, in my experience, has been when the racists showed up at Occupy Wall Street and they were ostracized and outed. So you're the kind of person that Occupy Wall Street doesn't want to uh, spend any time with. They, they, A lot of them do have respect for Ron Paul. That is uh, that is true. But if Ron Paul were a racist, he wouldn't have that respect. And I, I don't think that he... Right. I, I would agree with Ian, absolutely, that if he shared your view, Scott, I don't think so many people would be on board with it. Yeah, so Ron do us Paul a favor, Scott. Just keep you know keep to yourself. Stay there with Sandra, your mom, there in the... Uh, your, your mom's... Is it an apartment she lives in or a house? How did you know my name, my mother's name was Sandra? Oh, come on, don't play with me, Scott. You were on the line the other day, a few weeks ago, when she came on, uh, picked up your like the room, her, her bedroom phone to make a phone call, and she heard you calling this radio show, and she spoke on the air briefly. We tried to get her on the air. Did you recall that? 
Yeah. It, it was a Saturday night, and and I yeah. certainly hope that Free Talk Live puts out a ten greatest hits calls of, of <laughs> twenty eleven because that say. that me I have not laughed so hard until I cried in a does long time. She, does she go by Sandy? No, Sandra. Does My mom Sandra? is disabled. Uh, I don't say that to gain sympathy. I say it for the simple reason that uh, I'm I'm very proud that I uh, I take care of my mom. Uh, people you use uh, think mama's boy or whatever, but you want to know something? If I'm a mama's boy, I'm damn proud of it because uh, I help. She has a walking disability, and I'll help her any day of the week. And, uh, you know, I do a lot of things for her, and uh, uh, my mom is everything in the world uh, to me. And uh, Scott, if I, that, uh, if I can you ask know, you something, do you, do you talk to your mom about how you feel about Jewish folks? She knows my feelings. Did she knows uh, that uh, uh, that that I see this this country uh, so much damage being done between. Uh, where where oh, are you God, going with that people, question, Emmy? The Curiosity. people being swindled on Wall Street, uh, hardworking folks that have been ripped off, destroyed by Goldman Sachs and Bear Stearns. These boys coming home from Iraq with no arms and legs, they're amputees. I think you have a lot of valid concerns, Scott, and, I and do you know that, you, for that. I, I do, Scott. I. Look, you always have to go there. I think you have a lot of valid concerns, but you blame the wrong people. You always are blaming these groups rather than looking at individuals who are attempting to control others, individuals who are seeking power over other human beings, regardless of the plot of land they were born on, regardless of the amount of melanin in their skin or the color of their hair or the color of their eyes. And, uh, you know, thanks for the call. Good luck out there. Appreciate it. 855-450-FREE. I feel like I'm plenty tolerant of Scott, although uh, I didn't – honestly, I didn't take his call last night. Was that wrong of me? No, I don't know. I mean, I, I really do get kind of nervous at that, but, uh, you know, he can't call in too often either, you know. Well, I mean, we say no more than one call per night, but uh, there's no reason why someone who is like that uh, deserves an extraordinary, uh, extraordinary amount of attention. Someone who has that particular viewpoint. In mm. fact, there's a. There's I a, really I find the viewpoint so disgusting. It's difficult for me to, uh, you know, to feel a great deal of sympathy. But it, you know, it's yeah. called free talk live, and it bothers me when uh, people don't get on. That's the only time that that ever ha- has ever happened. Yeah, I know what you mean, man. Only only with Scott the bigot. Yeah, I know. Never I know. has that happened with any other caller. So uh, so eight five five four fifty free. And if someone were calling every single night about the same issue, we'd have to come up with a new rule. Like, hey, come up with something else to talk about. You know. You don't get to call every single night and talk about the same exact issue over and over again. We want people to keep listening to this show. So there's that entertainment value thing that always has to be factored in. I'd be interested to see him challenge himself and then come back to us with some results. Like go and meet some people? Right. We're coming up. Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Shop.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, get a great deal, and a portion of your purchase goes to benefit Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon via shop.freetalklive.com. Music 
This is Free Talk Live. The toll-free number here is 1-855-450-FREE. The SACL CAI toll-free line, 855-450-FREE. Here tonight, it's Ian. Nemi. And Mark. Inviting you to our website at freetalklive.com. You can enjoy the features there. And if you want to help support Free Talk Live, go to promote freetalklive.com. You'll find everything from banners to a free bumper sticker, as well as web uh, web graphics, high-res graphics, uh, flyers which you can print out. Go to promote.freetalklive.com. Do you not have enough time to read books anymore? I mean, here's a couple that I'm looking at at audible.com. Uh, the Drunkard's Walk, How Randomness Rules Our Lives. And Germs, Genes, and Civilization, How Epidemics Shaped who we are today. This is these are just a couple of the more than hundred thousand titles you can get at audiblepodcast.com for free. Uh, the downloads are fast, easy, uh, and after you get your first free download the first month, they're quite affordable. I listen to audiobooks all the time and have used Audible and it's a it's a great service and I you know I recommend it uh, if if you want to try it out. audiblepodcast.com/ftl. They are the leader and uh, one of the leaders, excuse me. Audible is the leading provider of uh, premium digital spoken audio information and entertainment. audiblepodcast.com/ftl for a free download. Let's continue with you and your thoughts. Charles, listening in Charleston, West Virginia, to WVTS. Charles, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, how are you? What's on your mind tonight? Um, I was just going to ask and get maybe somebody else's perspective on this, but with the president's recent comments about, um, you know, how if he can't get things done through Congress, he's going to use the executive order more and more. Isn't that scary? Wow, I didn't even know he said that, but it's scary. Yeah, it's very scary. I mean, that's the way things have always been. Presidents have, uh, at least in my lifetime, presidents have been using executive orders to do all kinds of things. So he's just, sta- so just saying it out loud, huh? Yes. He's actually said if he can't get Congress to do things, he's going to go ahead and use the executive order to move things along. And I just think that's slipping awful close to dictatorship. Well, I'll tell you, um, if uh, Mitt Romney or Newt Gingrich, or um, if they get in the office, they're not going to change it. The way things are. Yep. Well, no doubt. Thank you for accepting my call. And, uh, it's our pleasure, Charles. Have a good day. Thank you. I appreciate uh, hearing from you at 855 450 free. Yeah, I mean, you could say that uh, the U.S. has been skirting dictatorship for quite a long time. I mean, wasn't it George Bush that said that he wishes I'm he was a, a dictator? <laughs> Didn't he also say he wished he was a dictator yes, at one point? It'd be a lot easier. Yeah. That was his claim. So they've been working towards this. I mean, they, uh, these, these executive orders have been around for a long time. And, you know, there's certain provisions on what they're supposed to be for, but clearly they've been used for uh, beyond their original intention, I think, as most government programs and most government agencies do. They go beyond their original intentions for the program. Well, if it works once, twice is even better, right? Well, that's just it. They do one thing that is a clear violation of the Constitution, and, uh, and then they get away with it, and then they use that as just justification to do the next thing oh well we've been uh, raiding people's homes forever on the war on drugs so we can just raid your home now because you're a muslim we can raid your home because you uh, look like you've got a, t- a skin tone of a mexican or you know whatever you know excuse there could be some with. illegal guns in here yeah whatever whatever excuse they'll come up with and they can always use the past tyranny as an excuse to justify future tyranny oh and speaking of tyranny we were going to talk about that but first shadow is in huntsville listening to wbhp hey shadow Hey, how's it going, guys? What's on your mind, Chad? Yeah, I, just, I just want to start off saying, like I said on your show before, I'm an American Indian, and of course, Mohawk. And the Mohawks were people in the woods. 
I just want to tell you this funny story. I hope you all enjoy. Uh, when I was a kid one time back home in Michigan, I was out in the woods and some deer out there. Well, I didn't want to startle them, so I just went into tree mode. You know, I'd, I'd make like a tree, just trees, and when the wind would blow, you know, I'd bend with the wind a little and all like that. Well, the deer came up into the clearing. They actually took me for a tree. I mean, you're a funny-looking tree, but so a tree. Well, that's not the funny part. The funny part is that this dog came along, which apparently the deer were used to, and he mistook me for, for, a tree. for a tree, too, and he proceeded to lift his leg and mark his territory. And, and you stood there done, and took he it. He picked up his legs and threw up so a little dirt and some grass up, and then he strutted away his, his head held high. And I'll tell you, when I got home, both my parents cracked up when I told them that story. Yeah, and you it's know, still I, funny after all these years. If now. you get those deer close enough and uh, there's a buck among them, and then you just decide to go from tree to a guy that uh, doesn't want to get peed on, uh, it could be very could bad. I mean, you know, like those, <laughs> those bucks. So you took it. Like you took it from that dog, right? Yeah, I went ahead and do that because, you know, that's part of the Mohawk uh, way we learn discipline when we're children, you know. The dog wants to pee on you while you're a tree, you damn well better stand there. I think that is a very interesting story. (laughs) I think so. Thanks, Shadow. Appreciate it, man. Uh, 855-450-FREE. You can bring up what you want. So uh, there's this story. We've had all this prep. We didn't get a bit of it. There's, we can talk more about this uh, national defense thing tomorrow. We have more time to dig into it. But here's the story about the guy and the mugger. And I thought it was so neat about you know taking a, a really violent, possibly dangerous situation and turning it around in an unexpected way by using love and uh, forgiveness. Julio Diaz, this is from NPR.org, has a daily routine. Every night, the 31-year-old social worker ends his hour-long subway commute to the Bronx uh, one stop early, just so he can eat at his favorite diner. But one night last month, as Diaz stepped off the number six train and onto a nearly empty platform, his evening took an unexpected turn. He was walking toward the stairs when a teenage boy approached and pulled out a knife. Diaz said, he wants my money, so I just gave him my wallet and told him, here you go. As the team began to walk away, Diaz told after him, Hey, wait a minute. You forgot something. If you're going to be robbing people for the rest of the night, you might as well take my coat. To keep you warm. The would-be robber looked at his would-be victim. Like, what's going on here? Diaz says. He asked me, why are you doing this? Diaz replied, if you're willing to risk your freedom for a few dollars, then I guess you must really need the money. I mean, all I wanted to do was get dinner, and if you really want to join me, hey, you're more than welcome. Diaz says, you know, I felt just maybe he needs, or he really needs help. Diaz says, he and the teen went into the diner and sat in a booth. The manager comes by, and the dishwashers come by, and the waiters come by to say hello, says Diaz. Again, he's a regular at this place. And the kid was like, you know everybody here? Do you own this place? No, I just eat here a lot, Diaz says, he told the teen. He says, but but you're nice even to the dishwasher. And Diaz replied, well, haven't you been taught you should be nice to everybody? Yeah, but I didn't think people actually behave that way, the teen said. And Diaz asked him what he wanted out of life. And he just had almost a sad face, says Diaz. The teen couldn't answer him, or he didn't want to. When the bill arrived, Diaz told the teen, Look, I guess you're going to have to pay for this bill, because you have my money and I can't pay for this. So if you give me my wallet back, I'll gladly treat you. The teen didn't even think about it and returned the wallet, said Diaz. I gave him $20. I figure maybe it'll help him. I don't know. Diaz says he asked for something in return, and that is the teen's knife. And he gave it to me. Afterward, when Diaz told his mother what happened, she said, You're the type of kid that if someone asked you for the time, you gave them your watch. 
I figure, you know, if you treat people right, you can only hope that they treat you right. It's as simple as it gets in this complicated world. It's a powerful story. You know, I mean, it's uh, it really is. And I, when I read it, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's that's nice. I, I have a, a similar story that didn't work out so well. Oh, really? Yeah. When I lived in Manchester as a, as a teenager in college, and um, I, I was mugged and said, oh, man. I, you know, I, I don't have anything. You can take my coat. You can take the dog that's with me. You can take whatever you you need. And it was very scary. Was it a knife point or gunpoint? Uh, was a, he had a pipe. Oh boy! Yeah, it was it was it was uh, pretty intense, and he did take my jacket. He did not take the dog, much to my chagrin, because I was not a particular huge fan of this dog. <laughs> I, I, I like the smart dogs myself, um, and this one did not belong to me. It was not my dog choice. muggings are yeah, uncommon at right, best. Right, yeah. ex- exactly. Um, and, and it, I, I said, I'll give you everything I have, and he's like, I'm going to beat you up anyway. Oh, yeah, so it doesn't it doesn't always work that way. Did he so, beat well, you up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, yep, I got mugged. It happens. Well, I mean, that's you know, I, I, I what what do you suppose the purpose of uh, beating you up? I mean, you know, you, you didn't have money. Frustration, Frust- I don't, I, aggression. I, I I don't know. I don't, I don't know. go around randomly beating people up when they right. It's don't hard give to me explain yeah. the, the motivations because you're right. I mean, most people mugging people want to get something so they can go get some crack rock or meth or something, meth or right. whatever right. it is they're looking so, for. Do you do you think there's any chance that he beat you up in the hopes that you would come up with more money? I mean, is there perhaps? I don't really know. Okay, I mean, I just I just wonder if if that's the the purpose is. I, I mean, I just don't get it. Uh, why would you hit somebody that doesn't have any money if you're trying to rob people for money? I don't know. I mean, you know, whatever. I guess. I guess you just you know if, unless you've been there, uh, you probably can't really put yourself right. in that uh, in that position. Yeah. But it, and of course, there's no guarantee that you know you're going to avoid getting stabbed right. or that's, anything by right. being nice to somebody. So but, this is a great story, but it doesn't. Unfortunately, it doesn't always work out that way. The toll free number here eight five five four fifty three. I wonder if you would have gotten beaten had you had money on you, or if I'd had my gun on me. Probably well, that not. would have changed the, uh, the yeah. situation. You're a teenager Absolutely. and you're not allowed to carry. That's right. Coming tomorrow. We'll talk to you then online in the meantime, freetalklive.com. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as three bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. All right. It's another edition of the Edgington Post, and uh, I have with me today uh, Joshua uh, Daniels from the Erickson Council. Joshua, are you there? Yes, I am here. Excellent. Now, Joshua, you had this. You and I, I think you called in on Free Talk Live at one point and uh, proposed an idea, uh, you know, called, I think it's the Sea Lions is the. um, is the sort of sister organization. Yeah. And we talked right. in the past, and I think that this is a very interesting idea. We've talked for hours, you and I. <laughs> and Yes, we have. I what So, I mean, the challenge that I'm going to have with this interview is not going too fast. Um, not, I, have to, I have to pretend not to know anything. So <laughs> that's, what, uh, that's what we have to work with here. So starting off with the very basics, what's the Erickson Council? The Erickson Council is a group of pioneers who are, instead of trying to fix a broken system, building the building blocks for a new one. I say the building blocks because if you 
join the Erickson Council and you get in on what we're doing, you don't have to do things our way. We're giving you all the tools to do things your way with people you want to do them with. And I know that's that's a really non-answer answer, so let me get a little more concrete, right. not to make so the, a bad pun. The er- Erickson um, Council and the Sea Lions are different sort of organizational models for people who would live in what? They would live in self-propelled floating homes that will go anywhere in the world. There's three feet of water. They make all their own electricity. They process their own sewage. They make all their own fresh water. The larger ones can grow the food for the family aboard. And they carry with them in a garage on board a car or a truck. They can back up to a beach or a boat launch and load and unload the car or other cargo. So you are as free as the current understanding of physics allows you to be. You can go where you want to go or stay where you want to stay. Most people who live on one of these will simply park it in a river near a town where they have a a job or a business, and then they'll walk down the gangplank every morning and go to work. It's just like living on a houseboat. But if things get bad, which we may look back in 10 years and, and think this was either wildly prophetic or wildly stupid, at what we think is about to happen next. There's all kinds of black, black storm clouds on the horizon, but it's never totally black everywhere in the world at once. There's always somewhere you might be more safe. So after 20 years in one spot, you might say, you know what, I need to move to this other location. And all you have to do is bring your car aboard, raise your anchor and your gangplank and go. Now, And when you get there, you don't have to buy a house. Right. Your house goes with you. You don't have the buying and selling, the loss of the buying and selling of houses, which uh, real estate uh, agents make so much money off of. You don't have the concern if, uh, you know, for whatever reason, you know, things go really south in the United States and you say you need to get out quickly or something like that. You don't need to pack up your your belongings into the, the SUV and try to get across their borders or something like that. All your stuff is right where it is. And... This is essentially a home on the water that uses centuries-old and modern technology to, in, in, in the most efficient ways to is, uh, provide people with the, the, the most cutting-edge living arrangement possible. And at the same time, it's old as the hills. These, these things are built out of rock. Right. They're, uh, they're concrete catamaran Floating homes. Right. It's a uh, it, so the, the term <laughs> that you use is, is life yacht. Yes. And uh, let yeah, me well, let me take a stab. Down, you take a lifeboat. Let, let me take a stab at it too. You uh, you got to des- describe what they are. Right. And so a life yacht is between what forty five feet long and sixty feet long. Actually, there's a, a very big version too. But uh, the the sort of house sized ones are forty to sixty by about thirty, and they're made of yeah. concrete. Yes. They are designed to withstand, um, you know, large, uh, you know, winds and waves and things like that. The the shape of them is designed to cut through the air and the water as opposed to, say, a floating box on the water like a houseboat might be. Uh, <laughs> That's right. They'll they'll sail through a hurricane. 
Right. You don't want to. I mean, yeah. you know, nobody nobody's looking no, for that. No. But, and I think that, frankly, you know, if people one of the things that people talk about, the first things I've heard people talk about are hurricanes when they talk about these things. And I think it's uh, very interesting. Which would you rather be in if a hurricane's heading your direction? Would you rather be in a house stuck on the land that's near the water? Because a lot of Americans live near the water. Um, or would you yeah. rather be on a boat that can head perpendicular to that hurricane? I mean, it seems I, like a no-brainer. Even, even just go into the hurricane. The the navies around the world, when a hurricane or other major storm is coming in, they put to sea. Because the danger for a ship is the the water picking it up and smashing it against a nearby rock. I suppose if that's you're true. not near the rocks, you're, then all you're dealing with is going up and down over the waves, which can get very annoying. Yes, we know that. But the danger isn't there. And also, you can head towards the the eye. Sometimes the peripheral damage, um, you know, is worse than the uh, the, yeah. the interior. But I don't know. I mean, you know, as yes. uh, I think that there are different ways to deal with the hurricane, but you have far more options yeah. with a life yacht than you do with yes. a house. And, and I think, and if you get stuck right in the worst of it, this ship can handle it. And then no it's, more no more power bills. No, no more power bills. Uh, we'll, we have several different turbine layouts, uh, and this is going to take a little education on the part of the buyer because when you're buying your ship, so to speak, and, and we're not here to sell these. Right. Real uh, quick, when, before, when before we go any farther here, remember, before, before we yeah. go any farther, I want to make sure that people understand that there's an opportunity here that will cost you $1,000. Okay, now go on with your explanation. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thank you. Uh, you When you go into the sales office as a member of the Erickson Council and you say, okay, I've, I've put enough hours in, I'm ready to replace my order, um, then you're going to talk with them about how many turbines are built into the hull of your vessel to make power out of the ocean waves around you or the river underneath you. Yep. So you've got, uh, and, and with, that's, that's with a vary. moving body of water, you have basically unlimited power it's constantly moving and moving's what you know essentially creates electricity that's right even san diego harbor the chop was normally 18 inches which was quite pleasant it was no big deal but if i had had a wave generator down there i would have never needed solar panels or a, a gas generator or anything so and uh, i just didn't think of it at the time so yeah. no electrical uh, no no electric bill anymore um let's talk that's right let's talk about sewage Oh, yes, everyone's favorite subject. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's a reality. It's actually, <laughs> well, it's actually old news. There's uh, technology just generally called marine sanitation devices, which uh, they use macerators to chew up all the gunk and bacteria, and they'll pump in air or sometimes, in some cases, pure oxygen to really get the bacteria excited, and they turn everything that you produce into clear, clean water, which you could drink, but no one suggests you do. Just put it back into the river, and you won't be violating any laws or causing anyone any problems. So how about water? How do you drink water? Uh, water. Uh, well, you take the water that's flowing underneath you, whether it's salt or fresh, and with redundant technology, everything on these, with, except for probably the walk-in freezer, there's at least two of uh, so you'd have a vacuum still and a passive solar still and possibly just a, a cooking still that uses heat that's constantly distilling water, which you then you want to remineralize it. So you run it over a gravel bed uh, so that it doesn't uh, – there, there's some 
possible harmful effects of drinking pure distilled water. You want to run it over a gravel bed, mm -hmm. which, you know, there we're talking about a six-inch by six-inch box. Right. It's not big. Then the water comes out the other side with the trace minerals in it that make it so tasty when you drink well water. And you say, wow, this is great water. You're actually tasting the minerals, not the water. Okay. So, so they make all their own fresh water. And then with the electricity they made from the river or the ocean, they can heat the water. So you can take a shower. Or on the larger ones, you know, you can put a jacuzzi aboard. Just be ready to deal with the sloshing issue. <laughs> but, but even that we know. Well, we know how to beat that. It's a simple containment vessel. You know, containment vessel? You can have a jacuzzi if you want. So what's on, a on containment vessel? That I would, beg pardon? What's a containment vessel? I don't understand. Oh, it's what they did not have at Chernobyl. Uh, it's just, it's an extra, you put your jacuzzi inside a larger watertight box that has higher walls so that if the ship tips and water sloshes out of the jacuzzi, it falls into this larger box, which has a drain, and then that water is simply either uh, piped out through the drains or captured and recycled back into the jacuzzi. You don't have 500 gallons of water sloshing out onto the deck. That would be bad. The living room and the, the kitchen. Yeah, that would be bad. So, that would be bad. But How but much our, different are these each, life yachts from real houses i mean you know some one of them i believe is uh what's the square what are the square footages on the two there's uh the corvette and Probably. the stingray uh the corvette is the smaller and the stingray is the larger what's the square footage on the corvette the square footage on the corvette's about 800 square feet that's like a two-bedroom house with a living room dining room kitchen bathroom two bedrooms yeah i, I, mean, I had a, a couple square could... foot house once a couple could certainly yeah. live in a 800 square foot house. Um, I mean, as a matter certainly. of fact, my family does. Uh, my house is 800 square feet. It's sitting on top of another 800 square foot garage, so the utility room and all that stuff da is downstairs. But I mean, you know, if with the with the right arrangements, uh, we certainly could live in 800 square feet. Sure. Oh yeah. Uh, and the the next largest one, the Stingray, it's about thirteen hundred square feet. Think of a double wide mobile home in terms of room. Yeah, a thirteen hundred square feet is as big as a family needs, unless that family is really quite large. Yeah, and we're looking at some possible design work to stretch both of those to allow for more gardening and more people. Uh, at this point, the next step up is this monster that we call the manta ray, yes. which is a gigantic 125-foot mega yacht. It's a restaurant. Uh, but we probably <laughs> need something. Yeah, it's, it's huge. It's, and we probably need one between the stingray and the manta ray. Uh, and we're, we're working on that. If that's needed, we'll do it. Sure. And it's not that big of a deal. I mean, yeah. you know, essentially it's just lengthening the, uh, the architecture uh, for these things. So – now, right. um, you know, I, you you'd mentioned gardening, and I think that this is an important aspect of uh, of it all. So, at this point, this ves this vessel, this ho this home generates its own power. So, no power bill. Um, right. We're going to talk right. here shortly about how you're not going to have a mortgage payment. Um, you're going to right. be able to. We've got to mention decorate this and design it essentially any way you want. There are obviously some confines of the shape of the vessel, but you can put the rooms where you want to put the rooms. You can have the color countertops you want to have. You can have them made out of the things that you want. You can have a ceiling fan if that's what makes you happy. You can, you'll can you have air conditioning. You'll have all the things that you have in a home except you, – I mean, and you get to design it. It's not like you have to walk in. Um, and you'll have, uh, you'll, have the, you'll have some experience in how you want to design it by the time you're ready to, to build your own. 
But yes. so it uh, yes. it's it's taking care of its own sewage as a home sort of does. I mean, you know, it's it's hooked into the grid, but or it has a um, right. you know a pump out. But I mean, it takes care of it's its own day. sewage, right. and it's important to sure. know that. It also, uh, of course, produces its own electricity. And now, what about right. this growing your food part? All right. Well, humanity's number one problem is that we are starving on our feet. The fields are played out. There's no minerals in the soil. And so the the best way to grow food, even if you're staying on land, is to grow it hydroponically, which is basically you put the seed in, you know, some uh, lava rock, you know, in a plastic cup, and you pour plant food like, like miracle Grow solution onto it. And that's how it gets its nutrients. And then, you know, then you grow the tomatoes that are the size of your head, and they're so amazingly tasty. Um, but that also takes up the least room of any form of gardening, and it produces the most food per cubic foot of garden space. I say cubic foot because most usually people do this in a greenhouse. And so right. it's not just how long and wide it is, but how tall it is, too. The experts in hydroponics, and I stress experts, I can't do this. They can produce 30 pounds of food per cubic foot of garden per year. Now, for reference, a human being eats about a ton of food a year. Okay. Actually, a little bit less. If you figure on a ton, uh, then you'll be all right. So if you have a 10-foot by 10-foot by 10-foot garden, you've got 1,000 cubic feet. 10-foot by 10-foot by 10-foot. Okay. I don't know how you're going to get 10 feet deep in one of these things, but okay. Well, you're not. On the Manta Ray, it has 10-foot ceilings. But no, on on one of these, you'd have to stretch it out. It would be like um, 7 feet by 10 feet by uh, 16 feet. It'll be – in the the Manta Ray, it'll be most of your ceiling. Uh, Yeah. 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 But 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 just in such a small space. I mean, most of the rooms in your house are larger than 10 by 10 by 10. So we're talking about taking one room. Yeah. uh, And if you you were to garden it like a hydroponics expert – you'd get 15,000 pounds of food out of there, which is enough to feed seven and a half people for an entire year. Okay. That seems like quite a bit. Right. Um, now, That'd also, be, it, it is, it? that doesn't take into consideration that one could go on a, uh, a, a heavier fish diet, too. I mean, there's all kinds of free food just floating around out there. That, that is true, but we anticipated something like Fukushima, and so we designed these so that you would never have to depend on seafood. Right. Uh, Fukushima is poisoning the Pacific. I haven't heard that it's in the Indian or the Atlantic Oceans yet, but the the fish from the northern Pacific are dangerous at best. So now I'm not 100 percent, you know, obviously none of us can predict the future and I'm not 100. I've I've looked into this idea that the the land is demineralized and I've heard people say it and I'm not 100 percent sure of it. Obviously, we're all I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. we've got the largest population on the planet that's ever existed. And I guess there's all each of them contain minerals. But one thing's for certain that the minerals that do exist uh, that, that have existed in the past, a great deal of them have washed into the ocean. So you can Into use the ocean. Right. right so you can use yeah. this mineralized yeah. water if you can take the salt out of it right to uh to to do your gardening and and at the very least yes. it's going to be quite good for your vegetables i mean it's a uh, it, that's that's right it's a safe bet to say that yes oh yeah it's well, not even a bet there's no way you lose there are even people who take seawater and they simply dilute it they don't try to remove the salt they just dilute it and they use that as fertilizer on their gardens and they grow some amazing uh, fruits and vegetables, and they can show you, you know, here's what it was before I started using seawater, and here's what it is now. But 
You don't need to do that. If you simply run an electric current through seawater, you'll crack some of the water into hydrogen and oxygen, and you'll crack most of the salt into sodium and chlorine. The chlorine will boil out on the same pole as the oxygen, and the sodium will remain in solution. So you can Is get sodium bad out. for your hydroponic situation? No, no. Plants, plants and animals need sodium just like anything else. Okay. Just as sodium chloride, it's a certain salt. type of chemical that if you have too much of it, it causes problems. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know yeah. anything about this, but it's all very, very interesting. Now, let's talk about well, that. Uh, kind of. Okay, go yeah. ahead. Go, go right ahead. I'll, I'll let you well, finish your thought. Kind, this, this kind of kitchen chemistry is one of the things that we don't rely on you to study and know on your own. Uh, we're we're going to teach it to you so that wherever you happen to be, whatever kind of water there is available, you know how to deal with it and take it and use it. And if there's no seawater available, let's say you're in a river, you know, you know how to check the, you know, any soil that you might pull up to do some planting with and see if it's got what you need. So um, now I find this, like I said, I found this extraordinarily interesting and I'm, uh, you know, I'm involved with you in, in some way, shape or form. I'm not I don't have the expectation that I'm, you know, running away from New Hampshire anytime soon. But at the same time, this is this is a really great way to live. And I think that it would be, you know, benefit a lot of people, even folks that, you know, say, oh, you know, things are fine. You know, you, you've got your house payment taken care of. You've got your uh, electrical payment taken care of. You've got a lot of things that are taken care of, and you can put money towards, um, you know, living a a better life. Now, let's talk about that garage for a second. Um, now, you can you have electricity. You've got, um, you know, I don't know what else you, you know, you, you basically got all the things uh, needed. You can, of course, you know, you, yeah. your cell phones will work. You can have a satellite phone if you want to live out on the open ocean, but uh, that has right. its own uh it has its own benefits and disadvantages living out on the open o- ocean, but um, you could use a cell phone to do most of your calling there. What about the That's car? Right. How do you uh, get, you know, w- what's the purpose of having a garage in one of these things? Well, one of the problems with boats worldwide is that they, no matter how many supplies they can carry, they're a short trip. You're going to come back where you started because that's where your car is. Yeah. And if you want to go fishing, uh, you can't. I, if you want to go fishing, you can't. Um, you know, start out in in uh, Tampa and end in Key West, unless you want to take a bus back right. to get your car. That's right. That's right. Uh, so now, before we do the garage, I have to mention these vessels can sail backwards. They are sailing vessels. You can put a motor on them and turn them into steam or diesel or whatever. We should mention uh, that, that there's can. no there's no diesel yeah. fuel necessarily in these. You can put some motors on them to do some steering in tight areas and, and that kind of thing. But essentially, they are going to be sailing vessels, and they have not just normal sails, but airfoil sails. Is that what they're called? That's right. Uh, imagine an airplane wing standing on deck of the ship. And How many people to run this? It requires uh, one. You one can single hand the whole ship. One person That's right. can take care of all this on their own. That's right, because all the airfoil sails do is you turn them to catch the wind. That's all you got to do. And you don't have to climb around on deck during a storm to do that. You operate them from a cockpit. Yep. And should your, your cockpit system experience difficulty, then you walk over through your living room to the base of the sail. You open, there's a, it, it's inside a, a closet, so it's, you know, it's not sticking out there in the middle of the, uh, of the living room. And it's on the side of the living room. There are two rows of these. There's no great big pole in the middle of your house. Mm-hmm. That was one thing I hated about a sailboat. 
having that stupid compression post right in the middle of the house. Mm. Um, so you walk over, you open the closet, and there's a hand crank, and you turn it with that. That's that's it. That's it. You walk back to the cockpit and carry on. Yes, that, and that's that's you know, if your cockpit, your remote sail sail system, experiences difficulty. Yeah. You know what I hate about sail, sailboats? So, I hate spending most of my life at between thirty and forty five degrees. Uh, I mean, you know, they're constantly um, bent over in the wind, and a catamaran. Yes especially a giant concrete catamaran, doesn't have this issue. Of course, it's going to go up and down to some extent with the water like a cruise ship does, but you don't have this constant, yep. you know, uh, you know, just, I mean, you're sideways the whole time. It's no fun. It's not a fun way yeah. to live. No, no, it isn't. And and these are also designed with the, the outer hull slopes inward as you go up so that the stronger the wind is, the more firmly it pushes the catamaran down flat. And as it grabs the sails, it, that is converted much more efficiently to forward thrust by airfoil sails. They actually produce twice as much forward push per square foot as traditional sails and less than half as much heel, which is what you're describing where the ship wants to tip over. It's called healing force. Now, how much, so, how quickly do, does one of these giant rocks scoot across the water? Maximum hull speed, I think we calculated at around eight and a half miles an hour, and miles? that's, that's okay. with the current so hull, hull design and configuration. Yes. Uh, yeah, well, 7.8 7. knots or something like that, about eight and a half miles an hour. You know, yeah. and that isn't exactly, um, but, it isn't but, zippy or anything like that, but this is a house. This isn't, uh, you know, intended to be a uh, right. in the America's Cup, and the fact is, you know, you sail. I mean, they have technology that can that sailboat that will sail it while you sleep, essentially. Um, and you can take this right. to wherever you want to go if you decide. You know, I'd like to summer down. Uh, I'd like to leave Portsmouth and summer down in Bimini. You know, I mean, you know, the you, you take it you take it casually. You, you head along the, uh, the the coastline, and you know, somebody steers at one point, somebody steers at another. You kind of keep an eye on things. Other than you're not really steering because the boat will do that on its own. But you're yeah. keeping an eye on things, right. and it, it's probably a good idea to be awake. But essentially, the boat will take care of itself. Yeah, it's it's not a. a the major headache that sailboats have been. And then that trip to Bimini you described, 3,000 miles. Um, if you average seven miles an hour, it's about 18 days. But you're not on a boat going somewhere. You're in your house, which right. happens to not be tied up anywhere. And so when you're on watch, uh, you can be playing Monopoly with the family. Or sure. you play Monopoly with the family, just set a timer, and every 20 minutes or so, get up and look at the ocean to make sure you're not about to hit anything. That's really what it and comes down to. to the game. Yep, and yeah, that, that really is. You know, it's uh, you've got all the food you need, you've got all the electricity you need, you've got everything that you need out there, um, and you know, it's there, you, when you get to Bimini, yeah. if you want to stay yeah. for a while, you can uh, pull up to the boat dock, you drop the ramp, you drive the car right out onto the boat dock, um, you you know, you you leave it out there. You've got yourself a shoring vessel of some sort on the other in the other garage on the other side of the uh, catamaran. That's right. And you go out, you pull out into the bay someplace. Uh, you you throw down your anchor. You anchor in place. You take the the uh, boat back and forth to the the shore. Um, you tie it up. You hop in your car. You drive to the the grocery store. You drive back. You hop in the the boat. You drive in. I mean, literally, when you talk about people's commutes to work, some people commute. An hour and a half, um, you know, but I don't think the I don't know what the average commute is, but I used to commute 20 minutes to work and I considered it to be, you know, a little on the long side. 
and 20 minutes. Oh, I, you know, I mean, you could yeah. get you can get closer to well, here. You could pick up your house and move it closer to work. Well, imagine if you if you worked in uh, downtown Chicago, uh, most of the jobs you're going to find there, you can only afford to live in the suburbs about a 45 minute commute away. But if you go into the Chicago River, you can actually get within about three miles of Lake Michigan on the Chicago River and still lawfully drop your anchor and or, or find a side tie where you can tie up. Mm-hmm. And then you could actually take your shore boat uh, those last three miles up to downtown and tie up at one of the docks there and walk to work. It's true. You could do it. You could yeah. truly do it. Yeah, so- the, the advantages of these are just, it, it's tremendous. The, the example you gave in Bimini, if I went down there and I parked at a marina, I'm going to pay about 15 to $25 per day per foot of boat. So we're looking at uh, $600 a day sometimes to park. Right, but those Whereas boats need that. They need I, the electricity. They need the no, sewage. They need all those that's, things. That's right. But, yeah, but ours ours don't. So we can right. park out in the harbor where the police are going to come by once a day and collect, I think it's $7.50 for anchoring in the harbor. All right. Yep. Uh, and then when I when I take my little boat to shore, and here we're talking about a, uh, an, a an enclosed dinghy with a little electric motor on it, right? So I'm going to go to shore, and I'll tie up at a public dinghy dock there. That'll cost... If it's not completely free, which it is in much of the world, it's normally a buck or two. Yeah, I can't imagine it costs and too much. Get, yeah, then then get in my car and go away. So my my choice is ten bucks a day versus several hundred. Hmm, well, which do I like? And and that's the the other thing you should talk about: no property taxes. So you're not you're not feeding the man. And I'm willing to pay a little extra just to avoid paying property taxes. Frankly, I mean, you'll have to pay sales tax wherever you buy things. But remember, you get to grow your own food. You have no mortgage payment. Um, you yep. know, I mean, you you've got a walk-in freezer that you can stock. But hey, if you really want, um, yep. you know, of course, most of the grocery stores you don't have to pay sales tax on for the. Things you want. But anyway, um, I mean, you can cut down the things that you pay sales tax on. Your income tax, you know, you're real hard to identify if you're able to move around. I mean, if you're not you know, living inside of the United States and you don't have a U.S. address, I mean, the United States government's going to have a very difficult time collecting from you. So um, that's a very interesting aspect of this. Yeah, not only that, international trade is going to become almost automatic when you have one of these. If, if you visit Russia uh, just to see what's what, I mean, you'll find some things there that you say, hey, my, you know, people back where I'm from would really love that. And you'll, you know, you, you might drop a, a $1,000 on 500 widgets, and you bring those back and you sell them for $5 a piece. And you weren't really trying hard to make money. You just happened to be going places and you noticed the difference in prices and values and, and products. And if you established your checking account in England or Russia or the Caymans, um, you know, then Uncle Sam knows nothing about these things until he, you know, really starts an investigation and wants to do a, you know, get the bank to give him the info. Right. Now, I'm not suggesting tax evasion here, but I am saying that there's a, a way to structure your life so that the lawful taxes you owe are far, far lower. Right. I, you you don't have to, uh, yeah. to talk about it. I certainly will. But the you know this is a very easy way to to go international and. People talk about uh, Simon Black and his uh, Sovereign Man um, blog talks about the advantages of international international living all the time, and this is the very best way to do it. Um, 
So, you know, you're going to teach people how to do the gardening. You're going to teach them how to fix their boats because essentially they're, you know, this is a program about building the life yachts. And I'm we're going to talk about that in a minute. Right. But, um, you know, they're going to know how to fix their stuff. They're going to know how to grow their own food. They're going to understand the sort of rules and laws of the sea, as it were, how to, uh, you know, deal yep. with the authorities, avoid the authorities, if that's at all possible. As I understand it, most nations, it's with it's three miles out. In the United States, it's 12 miles out. And essentially they have, if you're beyond those limits, that all it is is a uh, a ship of war can uh, stop you essentially to see if you've got armaments or something like that. Um, you know, you've got depleted uranium. Uh, drugs. Yeah. Or, or drugs. Is that so? Okay. Um, you know, or whatever. Yeah. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know precisely, but I, I think people should know what it is that they're dealing with. But generally, they don't stop yachts, right? Um, you know, I mean, I was. Uh, no, not generally. Not generally. There's there's a significant number of stops, you know, on yachts going between, say, Columbia and Florida. But, yeah. Um, you know, uh, Portsmouth and Portsmouth in England. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, something to consider. So, um, you know, this yeah. this is sort of all the aspects, and this is you know, this is to me the very exciting part of this. You can have essentially. You have oceanfront property anywhere in the world. If you want to see the fjords of Norway, you know, go up there when it's warm and take a look. You want to see Greenland and wonder why those people that there's like a thousand people that live on Greenland. Wonder why the hell those people live there. Go take a look at Greenland. Um, you know, you can go and well, it was it, nice at one time. It, it, so I hear. Uh, <laughs> I think Leif Erikson might have had something to do with that. Uh, after whom the Erikson Council is named. The um, you know, so, I mean, you can go see these interesting things. You can go see Tierra del Fuego. Go check out, uh, you know, Antarctica. Travel around the world if that's what you want to do. Um, and I, there's uh, one aspect that I have a, a concern with that I want to talk to you about. But I want to first talk about the program and how one can get one of these. Because if somebody's been listening along and hasn't paid close attention to what we said, they've said to themselves, this, is, this sounds all well and good, but I can't afford a big giant boat. So what do you say to that person? Ah. Tell them what they've won, Johnny. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Erickson Council is a chartered democracy, meaning... Well, that's a loaded word on this show. Charter says. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I know. Um, but you, you join the Erickson Council, and now you have a vote in how things are done, and you have responsibility for how things are done. And what we're doing is taking the membership fees and putting those in an escrow account and then undertaking whatever other fundraising activities and putting that money in an escrow account so that we, the members of the Erickson Council, will actually go and build these things ourselves. We'll choose where to do it. You know, there's there are marinas for sale right here in the u.s sure are i just looked up a bunch of them when we looked at yeah yeah they they they, they uh, seem to be priced between i mean the like a hundred thousand dollars and um you know millions so yeah yeah and we could just go lease one for a year or two because of course everything we're building including our construction facilities will float so pretty soon we don't need a home base on the riverbank so we might just lease it for a year or two and save some money yeah but um, we ourselves will do all this. The research and the legwork has been done to get it to the point where we know that it can be done. We know it has to be done. We know which problems need solved, and we know that solutions exist for them. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a, those are a lot of good things to know. <laughs> well, they are. They are. They are. If you needed to drive from Cairo, Egypt, to Johannesburg, South Africa, and you didn't have bridging equipment, you just assumed there were roads and bridges, you'd be stuck. Yeah. Right? <laughs> we've, 
we've we've scouted the road. All right, we know how we know we can get there from here, right? and we know how to do it. What we need is people who want to do it to join with us. The reason I mentioned it's a chartered democracy is because our plan is to build these ships a certain way. Some of them will sell for money to get more tools and materials to build more ships. Right. And the um, ones that sell, the people that yeah. work on them, get a cut of that. This isn't um, this isn't That's a business right. in the sense that there's a person at the top, say you, uh, who is going to make all the money. There, this is a community. Right. This is a, a basically an intentional community of uh, you know people constructing their own life yachts. And we've already talked about what life yachts are. So, um, I mean, this is yeah. a it's a stunning yeah. idea. And beyond that, the Erickson Council and um, and the Sea Lions Foundation. These are ways for people with like minds um, who have life yachts to construct themselves. Maybe they'll uh, go around the world and clean up the oceans of uh, the trash that's in that uh, Pacific area, the, the the garbage patch. Maybe they'll um, maybe they'll go and uh, you know help people in foreign countries by doing missionary aid. Maybe they'll uh, you know just live out uh, you know they'll travel between countries and just kind of uh, hang out together and you know live their lives and do commerce and who knows what they'll do. Everybody will do different things, but um, you know it's just sort of subgroups within the main group. And you know the main thrust of it is building these life yachts and. For a certain what commitment, um, you know, how many months does it take to build your own, say, Corvette? That's the small one. What's it? Uh, how many hours does okay, it take to get there? So the you put- smallest one, the Corvette. We estimate that it will take about eight hundred man hours to build one of those. That's ten guys working for what is that? Twelve days. Okay. Okay. Um, to get one of those, you have to work three times as many hours as it takes to build one. Okay. So when we actually build one of these, let's let's say we found well, it took a little longer than expected. It took nine hundred hours. Okay. So if you want to get one of those, you have to clock two thousand seven hundred hours. All right. In shipbuilding, while while you're there at the the shipyard. Now while you're there, uh, you're living in one of these, unless you're the startup crew who brings tents and trailers and whatever they may bring. Right. All right. But as soon as we get some of these built and floating, we move into those. And when you first come. As we get room for you, you know, we'll start with probably 20 people, but we want to grow to a couple thousand working together as fast as possible. Uh, Well, when when you come, first thing you do is you're eating food that someone else planted for you in anticipation of your arrival. You expand the garden for the next group. Mm -hmm. Then, since you're living in a, a Corvette that someone built for you in anticipation of your arrival... You're going to, the one you do first is going to go in the water for the next group of people to come because we want to grow as fast as we can. We sure. only want to take ships out of our growth pattern to sell when we have to. Okay, and that's so, that's when you need raw materials and and um, you know things like that. Right. So it's essentially right. designed yeah. to be self-sustaining. So three to one. And then at some point, if yes. if it's necessary, you'll take to the water because you can actually build platforms upon which to build these things. We want to do that actually as soon as possible, um, not just because water is cheaper than dirt. Um, you know, and the, the rivers are starting to get litigated about here in the U.S., yep. but still they're mostly free. You can you can do something like this. We can build a floating dry dock uh, very inexpensively out of concrete, 
And we can build a, a Corvette on it and then sink the floating dry dock and let the Corvette float free and then raise the floating dry dock and start a new one. Right. And so we want to do that as quickly as we can. Also because if things get really bad here and, you know, there's, there's some nasty stuff in the wind, we would just be able to relocate somewhere else en masse with partially completed ships and everything. We'd tie everything down real tightly and you hit the high seas going to our next location. Yep. And, you so know, we, I think so that this is, this is the, the great idea because, I mean, what, one thing I'm certain is not going to happen, at the very least in the other 49 states, is that government is going to become less expensive, uh, less oppressive, and less invasive. So, uh, that, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm reasonably certain. And I'm not 100% convinced that the Free State Project has turned the, we, the, turned the corner on that uh, particular issue either. I think that they're doing a great job, but, you know, who knows? Uh, there's still a tie to the United States I, government and how that'll go. Yeah, I, I think all freedom movements will benefit by our existence, uh, if nothing else, as a plan B. Sure. I mean, if and, yeah. and it's a, and yeah. a great plan B it is, is, what, is the way I see Thank it. You. So, um, you and, know, and, and this and is this a, a stunningly – go ahead. And just and it, even though it provides means of escape, it was never about escaping. It was it was about to to really live our lives. We need free housing, free food, uh, free utilities, and free mobility. And it's got all those things. And that's what I. <laughs> it's got all those. Yeah. I really this, love about this. This, this is. And I hope people are as excited it. about this at the end of this as I was. And I've looked into it deeply. And I think that there's, you know, there's certainly some, um, you know, there, there's interesting ideas. Obviously, it has to get out of the ground, off the ground. What does it take for somebody to get involved? And when does it get started? All right. To get involved, the basic membership is putting up $100 in escrow at safefunds.com. Okay. For those of you who've never bought property or dealt with escrow, an escrow company is one that hangs on to money until certain conditions have been met, and then they disperse it according to those conditions. All right, so you're not, for example, sending a check to the Sea Lions Foundation unless you really want to be a missionary and you want to join the Sea Lions Foundation. The right. Erickson Council is separate, and it has its own escrow account. So uh, you put... $100 into your uh, escrow account at Safe Funds, and now you're a member, but not a voting member. A voting member takes a $1,000 stake in the council's future. And we say stake in the council's future because that's what it is. You're not paying us anything. So does it go into the $1,000 uh, go into the escrow account, or does it go into? In, in, into the, that's right. It goes into the escrow account. Okay. And because the Sea Lions Foundation set all this up and it's our designs that we're using, uh, we're taking 10% of what uh, anybody puts in as an administration fee. Okay. And that does things like, you know, pay me to do interviews like this and publicity and, and make things happen so I'm not out begging on the street in between interviews. Gotcha. Right. Uh, and, so, and somebody to answer the phone. Yes, that yep. takes time. And people, need, um, people are going to have their, then, need to have their questions answered. There's no doubt about it. Absolutely. Then... The voting members, they're the ones who decide how things go simply because they have the most at stake. And when you are a voting member, you can still put additional funds and into I the escrow account. And those, are, yep, and those are credited to you at the rate of one hour toward your ship for every $50 in October 2011 dollars that you put in. Gotcha. We have to specify that because the value of the dollar is doing some weird stuff. Sure. Right. Now, what so, – um, 
you know, yeah. what's going to as far as uh, when, when do you think you guys are going to get started? I mean, uh, you, you know, will the uh, you said there's a startup crew. When do they get? I mean, have you, uh, there's they haven't been chosen yet. Okay. And our startup location hasn't been chosen. The council will decide that democratically. Everybody, every voting member who has an idea will put it in and and then uh, we'll vote on where we want to start. And, you know, that's that's just the way it goes. People are going to have different ideas, and uh, we're international. We have a member in England already, so mm-hmm. he might want to do it. He might vote for Portsmouth in Southampton. Yeah. Um, if he gets enough people to vote with him, that's where we start. Gotcha. I doubt it. But <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, at some point, the council will – form a, I guess you'd call it an admissions council. That's what we refer to it casually. Uh, that's the group who's going to decide who gets invited to come first. Because the people who are invited to come first, they're going to be, all this money that was put in escrow, when we raise the $200,000, which is the absolute bare minimum that we think this project can get started with, Okay. then the, the council is going to be granting to the startup crew the responsibility of spending this money wisely. And they'll put whatever safeguards or, you know, hire a CPA or something, but we're still talking about you have to choose who's going to come and eat groceries that the council paid for on property the council paid for and do the work to accomplish the council's goals. That's an important interviewing and selection process. Right, because this is, um, you know, in this program, it, basically anybody can bring their family and the wife and the husband. There'll be some child care. You know, anybody can come along yeah. once everything's set up. But this first crew is going to have to be people who are prepared to sort of, you know, commit more fully in order to get the sustainable community yeah. up and running. That's right. And the first thing they'll do is set up hydroponic farming on whatever piece of land we have and set up animal pens and get animal slaughter going so that we have meat to eat. And we've got, as soon as possible, we have our own vegetables so we're not buying them at the, the grocery store. They have this to is, set up a communal kitchen. This is self-sustaining mm-hmm. living, so people are going to need to know how to do all these things. As a matter of fact, on these large vessels, That's right. there are ways to bring along um, additional space for more gardens and more food if you want to, you know, bring you know livestock and stuff like that. There, that's a that's a possibility. That's right. There's a tow capability here yeah. for bringing things uh, along, and I think that's great. Um, we've got actually about three minutes here, uh, so I, I guess the the short answer to when, and then I've got one um, you know thing that I've uh, thought about that I want to mention. The short answer to when is we think we're going to be having our startup crew on location in on May first. There you go. So and and you know, really really close. We're talk we're not talking about liberty in our lifetimes here. We're talking about liberty in a very short period of time. Somebody can probably spend a year building uh, a boat. So you're you're talking about. I, I mean, it could be you know, by 2013 you'd have one of these things and uh, you know living as free yeah. as one can at this uh, at this point. Now yes. the and, and I think that that's you know that's stunning. It's a it's a really great offer. Now, um, one thing that I thought of is internet connections. Man, I can't live without one. When I was on the cruise ship, they had internet connectivity, but they do it through like uh, they have gyroscopes and they have a you know satellite link and and they can you know have all kinds of expensive ways of getting it. It seems to me that m- I think you'd have to basically to get internet that you'd have to have a sort of um, what they call an, a cell phone air card. And that would probably be the best way to get internet, and you'd have to be relatively close to shore for that. Um, And that we're, you know, we're still we're still a few ways years away for internet capability out on the open sea. 
Well, in San Diego Harbor, I was a half mile offshore, and I had one of those cards. Actually, I was probably one of the one of the very first to hook up his computer to the internet through the cell phone. Um, and it was pretty reliable even back then, out to about a half a mile. The technology's improved some. Yeah. But frankly, I think that some of the groups that come out of the council's floating shipyard, they'll band together. And, and of course, with when you're able to spend this much time with family and friends, you tend to make more of both. Uh, so they're going to grow quickly. And I think they're going to build their own um, ocean internet out there. And it will be separate from, but connected to the regular internet, so it'll run with protocols that we like. Hmm. That's not as difficult as it may sound. So there we go. Um, I encourage people to go to ericksoncouncil.com and uh, check it out. Excuse me, to ericksoncouncil.org. Check it out. If they have any questions, uh, they can get a hold of you. Is that right? That is correct. So there's a call us. We're here. uh, 10, 10 in the morning tonight at night, Monday through Saturday, noon to 6 on Sunday. There's a contact link there, but I'll give the telephone number. Um, and it's ericksoncouncil.org or 918-612-4090. 918-612-4090. And it's uh, Joshua, right? Yes. Yeah, I'm the chairman. I don't get a vote unless there's a tie. <laughs> gotcha. Joshua, thanks for spending the time with me. I hope we uh, we covered everything here. If you can think of something else, let me know, and I'll make sure that I'll mention it uh, you know, on the air or something like that. I'm really excited about this. You, you know we could have gone two more hours. But oh, yeah. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> we, we've, we've had telephone conversations longer than this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we have. All right. Thank you so much, Mark. Thanks, Joshua. I'll talk to you again soon. Bye.